listening to 90.1 FM. KPFT Houston. It is now time for Technology Bites. Listeners should be aware that the following program contains language and audio images which may be found disturbing and may not be suitable for your snotty-nosed little brat who probably cusses like a sailor behind your back anyway. Parental discretion is advised. Greetings and welcome to tonight's edition of Technology Bites on this station that you are listening to. (laughs) Ah, welcome to Technology Bites, everyone. And by everyone, I mean you guys right here, minus Pete and minus Lee, apparently. Lee said he was... I did not get a memo that said Lee. He said he would be here unless he was sick or dying or something. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, no. 2016's not over yet. <laughs> well, welcome to Technology Bites. I'm Jay Lee. I'm Flicted. I'm Barrett. And he's... Groove House. All right. Well, welcome to the show. How awesome it is that this year is almost over, but yet the hits keep coming. Who's who's going to die next? Um, you know, the guy that wrote uh, Watership Down died. Yeah, that's kind of sad. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't think I've read anything else other than that. By I, that person. I don't even know if they ever read it. I just remember the movie. I watched the movie, the animated movie, when I was young, and it flipped me out because it was it was kind of scary and a lot of sad. A lot of sad. A lot of sad. I I, I conflate that film with the Rats of Nim sometimes. <laughs> the Secret of Nim. The Secret, Secret of Nim. I thought was a little bit faster paced. Maybe little... not quite as depressing. Yeah. <laughs> Still, I wasn't. You know. <laughs> Miss Frisbee. I was. I became Frisbee? woke. Daddy. I became woke to lab animals. And Fievel goes west. 
<laughs> oh, Five Will Comes to America. Well, let's not compare those two. The Jazz Singer, Neil Diamond. Wait, where are you getting that from? <laughs> well, Five Comes to America. They come into America. Oh, Five Comes to America. Today! <laughs> I get it now. I bet you didn't thought I knew Neil Diamond. I'm actually kind of surprised, <laughs> but not really. That totally makes sense. I bet you're a huge Neil Diamond fan. I bet you, I bet you sing out loud when you hear it in the car. You know that that uh, that movie. Oh, there's there's Lee. He's trapped outside. Um, trapped in a world he never made. <laughs> yeah, there was um, you know that movie, The Jazz Singer. It was on HBO a lot when I was young, so I watched it quite a few times because you know it was on TV, and so I watched it. So I did. I did at the time. I did know a lot of Neil Diamond songs. I'm not a huge Neil Diamond fan, though. No. But I do like disco. So. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't unlike <laughs> Neil Diamond. I don't seek him out, but you know, it, it doesn't hurt my feelings when it happens. Who's the guy that the movie? I can't remember the name of the movie. Kevin Spacey played. It was like a lounge singer, a contemporary with maybe like Frank Sinatra. Bobby. Yeah, it was Bobby something. Yeah. Bobby, not Bobby Darren. Well, yeah, Paul's the Bobby show Darren already in progress. Yeah. So. yeah, Bobby Darren. That was a good movie. Bobby Darren. They could have focused more on the uh, last. I forgot name. what the movie was called. It was, I think it was like Under the Sea, possibly. Yeah, I think that was it. Under the Sea. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I think, and he met Ariel, and. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Again, Under where Disney clashes with. <laughs> well, hold on. Was the was the, were the Rats of Nim? Was that a Disney movie as well? No. No. Okay, cool. So Blues yeah, who? again, two, two. You missed uh, afflicted comparing Fivel. Uh, <laughs> along he with missed a lot. Just a lot. <laughs> I mean, it's just you miss a few minutes of this show, and you miss a lot. I know. There's I something. Was... There was something crazy going on down by Baybrook Mall. It usually takes me about 35 minutes to get to the studio. 35, 40 minutes. I left at the usual time and uh, sat in traffic by Baybrook Mall for like 30 minutes. Skeksis. So, yeah, no doubt. That's what's down there. Wow. <laughs> Shards. I'm not sure where that came from, but let's go with it. Well, we're, we're, we're jumping around here. We're, ju- we're comparing everything. I was going to make a comparison maybe to Elmo. I don't know. They Does Disney have puppets that they aren't on ice? Maul, Brooke Shields. Free association. Technology eight, eight, Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> furries. It all bronies. comes back to furries. It all comes back to furries. I invoke Godwin's Law <laughs> without actually doing it. I think Godwin's Law has jumped the shark thanks to yeah. current events. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> but I literally have to talk about Hitler in order to have this conversation. We were just going to dance around it, but now we actually did break the law. <laughs> so we didn't break it, we, we obeyed it. I guess well, the conversation's over. Now you got to move on. Well, you That's know, it. using Hitler to describe someone now is like legalized marijuana. It used to be something you didn't do. In some places. And now, now, it's, now it's all right. Now it's all right. In some places. The law changes. <laughs> in some places. We're yeah. done. Next show. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Pete is out tonight. Lee finally showed up. Yep, so that's sorry. good. Stuck in traffic. He's that's Lee. his story. And there's nowhere to park out there. I don't know what's going on. I'm parked down like like two blocks over, like past the hostel. Yeah, there were people parking out front when I pulled up. I drove eight cars for not having a return car. <laughs> I, I appreciate years. that. I just drove them all. Just pay some guys to park for you. When Barrett drives a car, it's like that guy who's <laughs> the Jackson 5 <laughs> at the theme park. All right, so uh, we want to invite you to call in if you liked. With Pete not here, there's no news and all of these segments that he so 
generously puts together fall to bits. So. Which is good, because nothing happened this week anyway, right? There's absolutely no technology news worthwhile to discuss. Uh, I chose the wrong day, well, either the wrong day or the right day to go see Star Wars. Did you go Rogue see it One. today? I saw it yesterday. Oh, okay. So I, I got tickets. I originally went to see it the day before, thinking I could maybe, you know, Well, be careful, get because out of work Lee somehow. did not like it. I didn't. <laughs> really? I did not really care well, for Rogue I, One. I didn't like the fact that they ended with, so the first one, this isn't super spoiler, they ended with a shot with one sibling on the last movie, and on this movie they ended with a shot with another sibling, but I didn't know that sibling, they're going to end with a sibling shot of the sibling that just passed away <laughs> in real life. That's a tearjerker, even yeah. if it was CG. So yeah, that was kind of a weird. Well, that day just goes that. to show that she really can't die. Yeah, thanks to CGI. Well, someone That's was saying she point. shot a lot. She, she already there's already had stuff shot, shot the for the new for, movie. Yes. Yeah, which is actually the CGI technology will be amped up by the, to like fill the 2019. Yeah. Although I did not do the next one. I trying to stay spoiler free. I did not realize that there were CGI characters that were not like Jar Jar Binks ish. In the new one, so I'm not too sure. How to, was that a complaint of yours that there was CGI use in the movie? I was actually humans? sad that there were no gun guns in the movie. I really, was really, really hoping. just because you just wanted to push over the edge. Yeah, I was just really cause... hoping that they would show up and that there would be some sort of like long protracted musical number. I was, I was, <laughs> oh wow! I really had my heart set. So on... you've you just categorized this movie completely. Well, they, that, that, <laughs> you contrast that with contrast that with Groovehouse's glee that there was blue milk. There was blue milk. Was blue, and Jay Lee said you came out and thought you, you felt like seventies again, right? I did. I, I you know, I, as much as I want Lee to like me, I, 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 I have no problem. Oh, he's judging us. No, he's not judging us. He's Lee had to be I Lee. For I this. have equal contempt. All right. For so, all can things. you, without without throwing a whole lot of spoilers, can or rather, actually any, can you tell yes, us? I will. I will. Just where go back and read his Twitter feed. I will, I will not spoil the movie. Um, but I, you I can't thought, spoil something that sucks that bad. I would just like to preface this. Spoiled. Lee's wearing a very Star Trekky engineering-ish shirt kind of right now. So even a little ringer. As soon as he says this, realize that he may be in a Star Trek camp. This may be some yeah. enemy covert yeah. false flag actions going on. Yeah. So I, I thought that the, the 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 front half of the movie, the first act and most of the second act, was just really, really, really rushed. It was like, let's get into this. Boom! This is happening. And it just didn't it just didn't sit all that well with me. I thought Forrest Whitaker's character was the character was terrible. Well, Forrest was Whitaker, he in there? So okay, he, I, will, I, I will, didn't know he was going to be in there. I will concede like, that that's the Forrest, Forrest Whitaker, Whitaker uh, hire was a waste. Now he's a, yeah, he's a great actor. He's a great actor. Love him away. There like, was just there, like there was no need to hire him to play nope. that part. Nope, not at all. I mean, they, they they should have. I mean, they did well. I can't spoil it, but. You know, you you bring somebody like that into the movie to do something really spectacular, yeah. and he didn't. He did not. Well, and not, or, I don't think it was or, his. Fault. It could have been Denzel Washington. Or it's an opportunity to be in a Star Wars movie. I think there are a lot okay. of actors well, caught I, up in saying like, maybe, hey, maybe, he, in that movie. maybe he made a deal so that he could retire on the uh, fanfic circuit or something. Maybe my agent's yeah. fired. I didn't make it into the movie. Uh, they uh, so they. I saw you in the movie. <clears throat> really? I, I just <laughs> you saw I me at the movie. <laughs> That's, there's a difference. <laughs> I just didn't like the. And then once they got into the the mission, it's not spoiling to say that because it was in the trailers that like they all get together and go have a heist. And it just like I can't remember anybody's name except there was there was Force Monk guy. There did you was really want to? He was cool. Guy. Did you really want to become was... that attached to everybody considering how it ended? No, I just thought it was it was really annoyingly formulaic how they were like, all right, we are now going to do the Star Wars take on the Seven Samurai, and so you don't really even need to watch the movie at this point to know how it's going to go. There were just a lot of watch the Seven borrowed Samurai, movie and scenes. Then, yeah, it, it just I and I and I went with two two of my two of my best friends who I've known since since I was in fourth or fifth grade, um, Steve and Steve and Matt, my two buddies. Um, 
Matt had already seen it, and he was like, "You guys gotta come and see Rogue One with me. It's the most amazing movie ever." And so, you know, me and Steve were like, mm-hmm. "Okay, well, if I'm you sorry think it's that he felt the hype that much." Well, and, and you know, we come out of it, and and Matt was like, "Wasn't that amazing? It was so cool." And you know, and Steve was like, "Yeah, here's it was my wet blanket." And I was like. I was like, and I had I had Hold snuck this. away. I hope nobody at work's listening to this. I had snuck away like at lunch and taken basically the two and a half hour lunch to go see the movie. Uh, and so I was kind of like, well, I got to get back to work. I got out of there, and I was thinking on the drive home that like, man, you know, I, I could have gotten so much work done, and instead I went and saw this movie that really I you, know, you could have been at work. Could have been at work <laughs> instead, and I would have had a I would have gotten more done and been more satisfied with my day. Oh. I I mean I'm over. The space battles. I've I've seen that. I'm you know the Pearl and, Harbor, and I and, yeah. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm over. I did kind of like how they they went to kind of extremes to make sure that like everybody kind of looked and dressed a little seventies. Like that one X-wing pilot had like that <laughs> awesome like mustache <laughs> on, and like they all had like kind of seventies looking like. That's why Dave felt like he was coming out of the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I, it did, and it, it, you want, I think one of your complaints too was, or like, some of the snark, like nine things. Some yeah. of the snark about it was the technology for the storing big data. Uh, yeah, I'd copied that off oh, somebody else. No, yeah. Really, do you really need like a mechanical arm operated by someone else to go? You know what you need. Is if, the Empire doesn't do encryption at rest, and that's a problem. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if they're not if, OWASP, if you're if you're dis, if you're demonstrating futuristic tech as seen from the 1970s, it was perfect. You know, and it, the, the the look and feel of the tech. You know, the they kept la- the panels the same pretty much on everything. They did a lot of the shots the oh, same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did a lot of. You know, well, they didn't, of- they didn't upgrade to like you know jump drives and you know SSD and, and all it's, that. So we can we can again without spoiling, we can say that the movie ends right about where A New Hope begins, and also without spoiling, I thought how they got the 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 the, the courier ship, the Tantive Four. I thought how they got to that was was just really dumb. It was just really, really stupid. Like, why would you... Well, anyway, whatever. No, I, I agree there was I, some of that. So I, they, there was... It was like, you know, we got we got like four minutes left to end this movie. What are we going to do? And we need to make it dovetail with episode four. Well, I have an idea. And that's what happens on the screen. It's like, why would you even do that? They that didn't have to bad. necessarily so, dovetail it with... Well, they with... wanted to. I mean, I like... What they did, I mean, the effect was neat because it's like you know they're trying to hand the plans off, and oh, it's Darth Vader, and and, you know, and I mean, I see what they were trying to do. I appreciate it. It just the execution was just very poor. I thought, especially in the lead up to how they got the ship where it was. See, I think this is uh, it's it's important. An important takeaway from this is to realize that it's not just George Lucas who can screw up a Star Wars. Well, I mean, this is not, uh, you know, this is, in a, in, in a lot of ways, this is Disney positioning the Star Wars franchise as their Marvel franchise, as their Avengers. You know, this is them. Buy more stuff. Well, I mean, this Here's is them, you know, we're going to have every, what is it, every uh, 2017 and, or 2016. 2008. When did, when did episode seven come out? That two was years. 15, right? Yeah. Christmas of 15. So yeah, every oh, two just, years yeah. they have a tentpole movie, episode seven, episode eight, episode nine. And then in the intermediate years, they have these, these, you know, Star Wars stories that don't have the opening crawl. And they're like the lesser movies is Rogue One. And then they're supposed to be Rogue Two, Rogue Three. No, I think, it, no, I think Red... the next one is like a Han Solo origin story. I think that's what they're doing. <clears> and there's like one other one. They're going to have to go full CGI because they can't get another young Harrison Ford. I, Unless it's like his parents. Google and look. Um, like Google for like Han Solo origin. I think they had an actor they've got up for it already. 
Like the uh, young, uh, is it going to be like the young uh, Indiana Jones movie? It's going to be, I mean, maybe. <laughs> well, okay, well, that was somewhat believable because they just attached and said, we're not going to let him look anything like that. But then you saw what happened to him. He, that actor didn't make it very long. It's, oh, it's a doomed role. That. Didn't River Phoenix? Oh, was it River, was Phoenix? It River Phoenix? I think it was River Phoenix that played huh. the young Harrison Well, there was a, but there was a TV show, too, Young Indiana Jones. No, but the movie Young Indiana There's Jones. There's one 2016 the... didn't get. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, 2018, yeah, Untitled Han Solo Star Wars yeah, Anthology that's film. That's what they're doing. And they may be, I think they're doing one more in between episode eight and nine. And I think that one's like a Boba Fett story, although that may just have been like a fever dream I had one night. <laughs> I thought they were doing one more that was going to be about... What's his name? Alden. That's got to be him because only three Aaron actors are Reich? listed right now. I don't think it's Donald Glover. No, <laughs> no, I don't think so. It's not quite right for Han Solo. Yeah, it's got to be a Alden. Aaron Reich. Aaron, Aaron Reich. If you want to Americanize mm-hmm. that last name, Aaron Reich. I've, I've never heard down? of him. What else is he? Been in Beautiful in? Creatures. Played the stepson of Kate Blanchett in the Woody Allen <clears throat> film. Blah blah. Not a lot. Not a lot that we that I'm familiar with. He's been with. in a few things. Yeah. I don't know most of these. Well, nope. I saw Hail Caesar. That was an airplane movie. Hmm. It was a movie to watch on a flight. Ten Fingers? I'm, I don't know what that's no. about. I'm assuming it's not about fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> I see what she did Ha-ha. there. All right. Well, 713-526-5738. If you want to be on the air, you can talk Star Wars with us, or you can talk about whatever you got on your mind related to technology, because we have a free-form, end-of-the-year show. What's the matter Oh, he, uh, year in review. Year in review. Did you review this last year? Oh, yeah. Turn up your mic. What are we doing? Oh, we're not saying. Team is bad. Do we have a a year? Are we doing a year in review? Were we supposed to? No, that was that was I total free uh, form. Okay. Yes, we had a year. We had a year. We will review parts of it at, if you like. So, uh, all right. Yeah. So I see we have a call in the queue. Phone number seven one three five two six five seven three. Did we give out gonna... particulars and everything? Oh, right? we didn't. I mean, we we just like launched into Star Wars. We're, yeah, we, we might we as did. well be Rogue One right now. Rogue, Rogue, uh, yeah. Rogue, Rogue One. One. Rogue One. That's yeah, our call. So, right. were you actually were you getting upset in your seat, or were you just detached from this? Because you still seems like you, there's a little bit of passion. When well, you talk I mean, about it was this. it was a, it was a perfectly cromulent movie. It was it was fine. I mean, it wasn't. I, I wasn't sitting there being like, "Oh, I hate this so much." Wrong, you know. You know. I, you just sat in your seat and yelled out, "That's wrong!" Yes. <laughs> I know. I stood up and I said, "This is technologically inaccurate." <laughs> Stop the movie. I object oh, to this. Uh, you thought you were watching Gravity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if you want to talk about technical inaccuracies, we'd be here all night if you want to tear down Gravity. I don't want to work in that data center. Don't go all That's science sure. guy on us now. I actually asked Eric if he could come tonight, the the, uh, the space side guy, yeah. Eric Berger. Um, he wasn't able to make it, although maybe we can coax him on one of these other times. Is especially. he still upset about Rogue One? I don't know if he even saw Rogue One. He's... he's, he's yeah, he's actually, the weather patterns were totally inaccurate. It's actually a very It's a very exciting time for Eric right now because of NASA's potential direction talking about moon return and everything and Eric is all about a lunar return mission that is like totally his thing. He is he is excited about that. So, so have they decided that nope. that's where they're going to go? No, um we I mean it's going to it's going to all depend upon the the people who Trump appoints in his cabinet, the people who are his space policy people and the problem is with this, as with so many other things, I mean, not to turn this into a political discussion, God help us, 
But, I mean, you know, he shoots. Trump tends to shoot from the hip so far on his policy decisions. Right, so or he'll, Yeah, you have no idea what he actually yeah. wants to do. Hold I mean, on, is he aiming? No, he's not. He's just... <laughs> I mean, and supposedly he sat down with Elon Musk um, just the last week ago, a week or two ago, uh, and had a great discussion about commercial space and is now... Like, totally pro-commercial space, just like out of nowhere, because he sat down and talked with Elon Musk for 30 minutes. Yeah. So, and who knows what next week we'll bring. We don't know. <laughs> puppets. We're doing puppets. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, all right. Groove House. Uh, what? Who do we... What? <laughs> what? God. I thought we were doing... What? Okay. You were the one pointing at the screen. Well, I thought we could tie those kind of two things together with the call. Oh, we kind of could. I, I saw that on the thing. That's why I was kind of bringing it in the space direction. Oh, I didn't Oops. read I didn't read the thing, so I was not I was not allowing myself to be in the loop on that. Oh, okay. You think this is like dinner or Kaiser? <laughs> I think you may have misspelled. You may have misspelled. Oh, wrong. I did. I did. <laughs> That's okay. Shh. Grammar good. Nazi. Hey, we're just all wow. W R I T E. We were having a friendly show. Yeah, it was. Mm. we got all rogue your, one. We got all rogue one. Well, see, you got on the rogue one high horse, and you just couldn't get off. Can't right? stop. So right. now, so who do we have up, Groove House? Oh, let's see. How do we do this? Uh, <laughs> I got to get things squared. Push away Push the here. '70s button. The '70s flashing button. That '70s button. Wow. Up first on the show, we're going to take a call. It's going to be Max. Max, you're on the air. You wanted to talk about the future role of America in space. Uh, you, what should Houston's next role in space be? Uh, we're in limbo as far as space exploration is concerned. I'm the guy who invested 40 years of my life at the Johnson Space Center. From the age of 24 plus 40 would make it 64. I, I started on January 14, 1962 in the parking garage of the Herman Professional Building, which is where they shipped the 704 computers from Langley. <laughs> it reported there, and a couple of years later, I was made project leader for the Apollo Optimum Mission Design Program, which I did for 10 years, and then was asked to buy the first word processor system, which was an IBM 360. 30 driving teletype machines. Uh, Nixon and Kissinger negotiated the schedule for the Apollo Soyuz test project, and the schedule they came up with, we could not generate the mission rules and the flight control operator handbooks in the old cut-and-paste method, so they got me to buy an IBM 360-30 driving teletype machines with the administrative terminal system. So yeah, that would be first, in, for ASTP, that would be in 1975, right? Uh, yeah. 19, correct, 72, 3, 4, 5. And, uh, and we generated those uh, mission rules and flight control operator handbooks. And I had to give a, uh, a, a briefing to everybody involved, contractors, civil servants, on security aspects of the administrative terminal system so a disgruntled employee wouldn't throw garbage into the hmm. uh, flight control operator's handbooks and the mission of the roads. So the only bit, the room we found large enough was 9th floor of Building 1. And whenever a briefing is held there, they put the name of the briefer and the topic 
in the hallway on a, on a marquee thing. And a guy on Chris Kraft's staff, 6'4", uh, I don't know if I should mention names or not. I'll probably go avoid it. Probably, but probably best not to, yeah, just in case. Yeah. Uh, came into the meeting, and I uh, made an excuse for a water break or whatever because the meetings were by hand. If I don't send somebody to check out who he was, and they came back and said he was on Chris Kraft's staff. It's okay. So I proceeded. A couple of weeks later, I got a phone call from him uh, telling me he was assigned to generate the, to determine the price policy for payloads on the shuttle, uh, you know, which were going to fly multiple payloads for multiple customers. And how do you charge? And would I help him develop that pricing policy? And I said, sure. Well, about five weeks later, I got a call from my division chief, who was uh, wore two hats. He was made division chief of ground data systems for all of uh, uh, shuttle, and uh, he was also head of the computation analysis division where I was. And we were obsolete being in the engineering directorate, or the mission support directorate, or the mission operations directorate. All right. Before you, before you spend too much more time giving us your entire your history there, I mean, I, I respect that, and I know that you've been with with that a long time, and you've, neat stuff. And you've called in before, and I, I, but the last time you called in, Lee wasn't here, and Lee is probably our most far out space nut. Gotcha. <laughs> but what was your question? Okay, the question is, what should Houston role next role in space should be? What should be our goal? And I formed a small group. We've had one meeting, uh, and I'm using uh, the political science guy at the University of Houston, Richard. Uh, good God, his last name is escaping. He's a political consultant at Channel 13. He's on pay to do it. And I chose him because he knows uh, partnership, the Greater Houston Partnership, whom you pretty much have to have on your side if you're going to do something local, because it's going to take them to maybe pass a, pass a referendum for Harris County and maybe two tiers of counties around it to create a tax district to support a Houston spaceport. Do you have um, a thought on that, Lee? Well, there, I know that there is. It's actually kind of unfortunate we didn't have Berger on tonight because he he was reporting about this recently. Um, I mean, the uh, Max, the last information that I saw, and you may know way more about this than I do, was that there was a um, the Houston Airport system had gotten involved in the spaceport decision, and they were looking at potentially siting it at Ellington. Um, but it was Correct. a it was a far out plan. It was like a it was like a five to ten year minimum to get started kind of thing, right? Uh, okay, I'm not real close to the HAS version. Yeah. Uh, I've been pushing my version, oh. and I took out the name Spaceport Houston, which is why the mayor had to use Houston Spaceport when she announced uh, a spaceport at Ellington. Now, uh, the spaceport concept 
is kind of a cover, uh, in my opinion, for what the next goal should be. And I'm advocating that the next goal in space and Houston should play a major role is to support human, animal, plant life in space indefinitely in a shirt-sleeve environment. Uh, we have to solve that problem. We know how it's happening on a spaceship Earth. It shouldn't be that difficult to do on the moon, uh, on a space station. So you think, or, you, you think Houston plays, would play a role in developing the technology and, and supporting the technology that would al- allow us to colonize the moon? Correct. I don't know if this is a devil's advocate position, but one thing that I've noticed, and I, I don't know where this came from, is you know there's been a lot of apathy as far as you know, just space goes. I know Houston's very associated you know, with Space City. There's a lot of you know history there. But you know, for example, when it came time to try and grab a hold of one of the space shuttles, we just dialed it in. <laughs> like we really didn't submit much. We were really surprised when we didn't get a space shuttle to call home here because we just accepted we I, I think a lot of us just took it for granted we would get one i know we've lost a lot of talent out of jsc you know a lot of layoffs a lot of funding's gone so a lot of the talents retired never to come back or they've gone with private engineering never to come back i think the big force is going to be private right now and so the question is why would private businesses you know space exploration businesses want to come to houston you know when you've got you know the valley in texas you've got a lot of other favorable places to to set up shop and i don't know how you'd, you'd even go about you know attracting that Unless you dovetail them like you know space medicine or something like that, but again, this is just you know, not being involved in the history, but knowing a handful of people that work directly for you know them, worked with them that are no longer there, and you know have, have bemoaned the fact that the talent's gone, that talent pool is no longer as concentrated as it once was in Houston. Yeah, you have uh, hit the nail with your head. <laughs> Ow! Uh, that is a key, very key, the morale at the Space Center is next to horrible. Uh, pockets are keeping secrets from other groups worried that their goodies are going to be stolen. And their mission in the JSC Roundup, and my two copies got soaking wet, and I might have to go get a couple of new ones if I can't have prime apart to read them, is a trip to Mars which is extremely backwards. Uh, we're, we're building, developing a seven-man capsule called the Orion to carry astronauts to Mars, and I guess the intermediate step is going to have to be the moon. And we haven't done much work on a low-cost uh, propulsion system. Well, if this is all looking to be more privatized, as Barrett mentioned, and, and you know... It, my limited understanding of the space program, I mean, I, it's my impression that the only reason NASA is here in, or was built here in Houston was because of Lyndon. Because, because of horse trading. Yeah, because yeah. We, don't, we don't have launch capacity. We don't have recovery capacity. I mean, as you say, Max, you were part of the, if you were part of the group that moved down from Virginia, you probably experienced that horse trading firsthand because you were right in the middle of it. You may have been a horse. Well, actually, I was born in Sealy, Texas. Oh, okay. Okay, and I thought you graduated, I... worked my way through U of H, uh, graduated in math and physics because I couldn't schedule uh, no. electrical <laughs> engineering courses in lab uh, at a time, and I would substitute math, physics, chemistry.
Okay, so yeah, I, I think most, I misinterpreted most people you. are probably dug into the the people that are very familiar with this and familiar with the politics behind it are you know they're they're dug into it. They've got their sides. So the people that are you know that just are wistful about the days of Houston being a space city or stuff like that. Where where can they look or where should they start digging in to do some research to you know to see what Houston's future could be to see how they could be more you know if they could be an advocate for that. What is there like one single direction they could go look or read up? The Bay Area Houston. Uh, economic partnership is a good one to start. I think Mr. Elliott is still the head of it. Uh, and I'm definitely going to include them, invite them to the next meeting our small group is holding. Uh, the members of the small group who attended the first meeting about four years ago were Richard Murray. Hey, I remember his name. <laughs> and, and I'll use his name. He. Uh, political science professor at UH and a consultant to Channel 13 during elections. And uh, Richard and my cousin happens to be curator for the School of Architecture, and she invited uh, Larry Hall, who's uh, to attend the meeting, and I had invited Dennis Fielder, who couldn't make it, and Ken Cox, kind of a self-appointed chief engineer at Space Center. His brother Keith is a uh, twin brother. To Keith. So, so what, 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 what are the options for the public in terms the of public. becoming more aware of what the plans are, or what the ideas are circulating around Houston's future role in space uh, exploration? I think that you guys at Technology Bike can play a major role in this process, along with somebody, I don't know if it's be Houston now, at Channel 8. It's going to take the two of you, uh, coupled with whatever local print media we can get involved, uh, to carry, to push whatever we would come up with as what our next goal should be. If the group should agree with me that it ought to be sustaining human life in space indefinitely in a shirt sleeve environment. Right, and, but again, you know, you know, this is all pie in the sky stuff. At least in terms of this conversation, where you know we, you've called in tonight and uh, discussed these fascinating topics. But in terms of the next step or being able to take steps at all. I mean, there has to be some well, cohesion or some idea. So, it, provide such you know, supposing we were interested in learning more, becoming more involved, then what do we do? Quick, okay. nice and to the point. Okay, this year and next year is the hundredth anniversary of the board of use, and the way it happened, the Allen brothers. Uh, set aside money for every plot of land they sold for a port. And the first port was Allen's Landing and later got moved to uh, the Turning Basin. And now they're on Morgan's Point. Okay, that's a history lesson. That's not answering my question. Yeah, well, it is. All right. Because how did they accomplish the Port of Houston? Follow the same steps to develop the spaceport. Get you a tax. 
All we right. need some some aliens to come in, wander in, land down, say, "Hey, it's a swamp, but we can't go any further," and set up shop. <laughs> and then we need a hurricane to hit Brownsville or something, so they won't want to stay there. Just like the one that hit Galveston, that moved a lot of the port stuff up into Houston. All right, Max. Listen, I appreciate I appreciate your call, and, and I, I, we're going to go ahead and cut this short and, and move on with the program. But if you if you contact us through the website, if there's some meeting or some uh, thing that we could go pay attention to, or you know, we'd be interested to hear about it. And I thank you for. Well, yeah, we'll get the announcement out. I'm a little bit. That's my bad. Quick on the trigger finger. But yeah, it'd be nice to you know have some place to go. I was looking and to see if there were like any kind of space exploration meetups. It looks like you know, the last kind of you know official meetups of that ilk were you know mid two thousands. That just kind of tapered off. So it'd be really cool if there were a place aside from you know this show or a geek, maybe a geek right. gathering it's kind where of people a... could come to you know kind of talk about that and get into that. Oh, yeah, that's, reach that's out on the uh, reach out on the website, Max. Hit us up at the at uh, geekradio I mean, maybe, maybe from a like economic or development uh, perspective, there's people that are into it, but. For me, I don't know. I feel like Houston has, in general, has an apathy problem with a lot of stuff. Like almost anything I'm interested in, you can't get enough Houstonians interested in it to create any kind of scene of anything. Even though we've got a few million people. Well, and then, so the crazy thing is, to me, I'm like, okay, we've got JSC. All these NASA engineers, a lot of whom wanted, like, got into the space program because they were born or alive during... The man, you know, missions, Apollo missions, or Gemini, or you know, <clears throat> or or even the Mercury, right? All these people got into the space program because of manned spaceflight, right? They have Yuri's nights, mm-hmm. right? Every every year they have a Yuri's night for Yuri Gagarin, mm-hmm. and like it's it's almost impossible to pull any event, right? They have a 5K run or something. They have a fun run down at NASA. But it's not connected to, like, an event, like, where other people have parties that night. Like, it's like there's there's almost nothing that happens in Houston. At the very beginning, like, maybe eight or ten years ago, there were a couple of them. There was one downtown Flying Saucer that was, a, you know, 20, 30, maybe 50 people. But that was about it. Like, now, like, last year, I was like, oh, man, it's, it's about to be, you know, Gagarin's Day. Like, let me look up Yuri's Night parties in Houston. Nope. Nothing. Nothing. Like, what's up with that? So what nominal amount of interest and enthusiasm that did exist wasn't sustainable and went away. And and these are the people that work in the space Mm -hmm. program, and they're not excited enough about the space program to actually like. Well, I mean, Houston has an apathy problem. That's that's a that's a toughie though, because that's. I mean, we don't have the we don't have that that all-consuming passion for the space race that you would have had during the Apollo days. I mean, there's just not a lot of stuff going on right now. Working at JSC is like working at any other aerospace company. It's basically like your days are filled <clears throat> going to meetings, uh, reading emails about the impending layoffs, and going to more meetings. But, and in the meetings, you don't really do anything because you're not really sure if you're going to get laid off or not. The space station still exists. I don't have the shuttle flights anymore, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I worked there for four years on space station, right? It was during shuttle flights they were mm-hmm. building. It was early, early building of the station, right? Um, so to me, like that stuff's still interesting. Like I don't work, I haven't worked there in fifteen years at this point. But to me, the space program's still interesting. And so I, every once in a while, I'm like, oh, Yuri's night. Like, let's look it up. It'd be cool to hang out with some space people and talk about the space program or whatever. And it's like nobody, nothing happens. So th- that's that's kind of disappointing to me because it seems like there should be 
enough people, of all the people in the world, there should be people at JSC, at NASA, that think the space program is exciting and, so, and want to hang out with people who are into the space. Well, there course, certainly are. They're around it every I mean, day when they're working some. at NASA, but... but I mean, yeah, it's just it's just a question of being ground down. There's just so much. It's just so bleak right now. It's just a bleak place to be. It's an amazing place to be, um, but it's just it's just. Bleak. And you know, and of course, you know, Gagarin was a, a Rus- Ruski. Well, that's <laughs> well, good. they're so in, fa- they're in be, favor again. There may be some old people that aren't aren't a fan of that. Maybe. No, I, that doesn't. Uh, I, I think, mean, that doesn't but matter. But I think At most that point, of that's just humans. Past. I mean, most of the people that I've talked to that were engineers that. That once the, the um, U.S. started interacting with the Russians, you know, the engineers were more than happy to go meet their Russian counterparts and talk to them and, you know, try to plan like space station parts. And mm-hmm. um, I will say it was kind of difficult sometimes working with the Russians. Working because, with the Russians is awesome. Because they they, <laughs> they, they, they will not talk about anything except what they've specifically been tasked with. Uh-huh. So sometimes that was very annoying in meetings when they're, we're just like, okay, here's the layout of, of you know, the solar arrays. And no. you all say one through eight, and there's there's eight of them. So, so, but they're not labeled. Like, which is one? Is is it go like across one two and then up three four, or is it all on one side one two three four? Oh no, that's not that's I can't tell you that that's not my responsibility. <laughs> okay, well who can tell us that? Oh, um, telling Yuri, you that Yuri, is not Yuri, my responsibility. Yuri, Yuri can tell you that. Okay, well where's he? Oh, he's on vacation for two weeks. Well, who else can tell us that? No, it's really his job. So just for two weeks, we're just not going to know. Well, they're a fun bunch anyway. It's really weird. You get all kinds of weird. I don't want to derail the discussion, but working with Russians is is fascinating. There are all kinds of funky cultural differences. You're not supposed to smile when you encounter them in the hallway because that's extremely rude. And if you're in really close with them, you get to call them by their first name and their patronymic, which is Mm -hmm. always awesome. You sit down and have your meeting and you'll be like, so, Ivan Mikhailovich, tell me about your project and how it's going. There's definitely a chain. Like like if you're a subordinate, you do not ask your superior. Any questions about anything related no, no, to outside no, of work? Thing. But if, if they want to, they can say like, "Well, how was your vacation?" And then you can talk about stuff. But you can't bring it up as somebody subordinate. All right, back to the conversation in terms of space. 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 <laughs> lunch. <laughs> I said lunch. Lunch in space. Not lunch. Uh, so, is the Johnson Space Center? a viable concern in the space race as it's developing now. Well, yeah, because you've got <clears throat> a tremendous amount of money invested in the facilities, and it's specialized facilities that would be very, very difficult to build elsewhere. And they're being improved. They're, they just put in a new um, a new station flight control room that I think they're using. I forget what it's called, but it was just made operational in, like, November, I think. Um there are all kinds of lab facilities. Does NASA have a role in anything and... having to do with SpaceX or any of the flight? Other than waving a finger and saying, be more careful, y'all. Well, I mean, the the model, the, 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 the New World model, the new space model, um, is to have sort of government set the direction and do maybe some of the, the extremely <clears throat> difficult stuff and the pathfinding stuff and then have commercial sort of be the the grunt work that turns the gears. So, yeah, you've got... And that's kind of the model we're following now, especially since companies like SpaceX and Blue Origin and all of them are are essentially being bootstrapped almost entirely off of NASA money. I mean, SpaceX Mm -hmm. is operational because they have... They have gotten billions of dollars of funding from NASA to service NASA contracts, the NASA commercial space contract, commercial... 
uh, commercial resupply. Um, they're competing for commercial crew with Boeing. Um, with uh, and Boeing's trying to do the the STS or not STS the um, CST one hundred the Starliner or whatever they're calling it this week. I mean the the model is going to be for the government to lead and sort of trailblaze. And if there's something that needs to be done that doesn't have a business upside, to have the government do it, and then to have the commercial providers come in and slowly wean themselves off of government dollars and make what they're doing into a profitable kind of activity. So who's the liaison between the government and the com- the government sector and the commercial sector? I heard uh, Max mention the Greater Eastern Partnership. Or well, something. I mean, it's it's handled directly. Like NASA talks, NASA's contracting office uh, and the and the GAO talk to SpaceX. The contracts, at least as it exists today, right. it's all done in the same way that any other government contract. But if you want done. to, in, but so <clears throat> in the most inefficient and horrible way possible, basically. Well, NASA's still the government. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. so enticing uh, the commercial aspects to do like we go back to the original part of the conversation to entice the commercial entities into utilizing Houston in some capacity. That's a tough ask. Houston's in kind of a funky spot. We're not far enough south. um, We're not far enough south to serve as a really optimal launch location. If you're launching rockets, you want to launch as close to the equator as possible. Because if the closer you are to the equator, the more of a boost you get from the Earth's rotation. Because the because the radial the radial velocity is higher at the equator, so you get. As you approach further and further south, you get basically free energy from the Earth turning to help right. you get to orbit faster. But and that's pri- why we it, did it in Florida and not in Virginia. But in a privatized model for <clears throat> space exploration, NASA would ha- t- seem to me would have less and less of a role. Well, I mean, yeah, they've mm-hmm. what you what you need NASA for today, if you are you know a SpaceX or something, is you need NASA in a lot of ways. You don't entirely, but you need NASA's facilities because NASA. Most of NASA's big stuff was built with un- essentially unlimited money during the Apollo era. The the two massive launch pads in Florida, Launch Complex 39, Pad A and Pad B, Apollo money. JSC, Apollo money. KSC, Apollo money. It was all, I mean, the, the faucet was just wide open and it was unlimited at the time, effectively unlimited. And you have companies like SpaceX that will develop... Um, just today, in fact, they posted a picture of the uh, of the the interstage of the Falcon Heavy rocket, SpaceX's massive um, uh, heavy lift rocket that will have twice the lift capacity of the Delta IV Heavy, which is currently the the largest in existence heavy lift rocket. Where are you going to launch something like that from? You've got to launch that from a gigantic launch pad. Well, who has gigantic launch pads? Well, the Soviets or Russia has mm-hmm. gigantic launch pads that you can't get, there's no way to get your rocket over there. The Chinese have theirs. You can't get your rocket over there. Well, NASA's got these two enormous launch pads that launched Saturn V's and Saturn 1B's and shuttles and are currently launching nothing. So there's a Space Act agreement between NASA and SpaceX for launch complex for Pad 39A, basically. Uh, that pad, I think, is being used from now for some period of time exclusively by SpaceX. So that's what you need NASA for right now. You need NASA's facilities. And in a lot of ways, you need NASA's um, although SpaceX downplays this a little bit, you need their engineering expertise. You need to know um, <clears throat> how do you not just how do you make a rocket, but how do you make a rocket safe to carry people? Because you know if your cargo blows up, you know the worst thing Man. that happens is you've lost a few billion dollars. What's the regulatory order. committee on that? What's the regulatory for man rating a rocket? 
there's a process. I don't know what the regulatory committee is. I, I don't know if there is a – I'm sure NASA has a formalized set of documents and standards about how to finger quote human rate a launch vehicle. But as far as I know, there is no external regulatory agency. It's simply NASA says – we, we decree it's ready to go. There's where we can get a change. Maybe like we set up shop in Houston where just, <clears> it's like getting an oil change. You just go down 14 bucks. Right. Yep. Slap around the tank. Ready to go. Well, recall what they did with um, the Saturn V in the 60s. Um, they, in order to accelerate the pace of the Apollo program, the decision was made, and this is all described, by the way, in an amazing book. If you're looking for a book, even though it's a little bit after Christmas, pick up. Uh, it's a book by Charles Murray and Catherine Bly Cox. It is out of print, but you can buy it. There's like a hundred of them available on Amazon right now. And the book is called Apollo Race to the Moon. And you can get it. It looks like it's 15 bucks on Amazon used. It is, as far as books go, this uh, Apollo Race to the Moon by Murray and Cox is the uh, the definitive book. Um, and this is described in... Anyway, to accelerate the pace of the Apollo program in the 60s, NASA decided to do what's called all-up testing on the Saturn V. They built this gigantic rocket. And they just built a gigantic rocket. Hmm. They had Boeing build the first stage, and I think North American build the second stage, and if somebody else built... They had all these different integrators because you had to spread the tax money around. So you have this massive rocket built by all these different people and all across the country. You ship it to one place, and... The first time, aside from some small individual per-stage testing, the first time they launched it, they launched it as a complete rocket with all the stages there, and they were like, well, if it blows up, it's going to be really complicated to try to figure out what happened because we're launching with all live stages. But if it works, we can certify it all at once. <laughs> and so they did. They launched. Uh, the mission was retroactively called Apollo 4. It was unmanned. It was a all-up launch. This is the first time the rocket had flown, and the whole they did the whole thing with a with a, um, and a boilerplate capsule on top. Uh, and then they did it again in Apollo 6. Apollo 4 went great, no problems. Apollo 6, the rocket had some issues with pogoing, and it turned into a big thing. But they did two unmanned launches, and after those two launches, the second of which almost exploded because of massive technical issues, the third time they fired it, they fired it with people on it. And there was no... Like, OSHA didn't come in and, like, you know, crawl over the thing. And there was no, like, no, they didn't, like... Who would even know what they were looking yeah, at? Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of it's exactly right. So, clunk, yeah. clunk, it's all right. They flew it twice. It didn't blow up. And so the third time they put people on it. And, you know, the decision worked out great because the Saturn V, at least, um, suffered no major operational failures on launch. No vehicle loss ever. It flew with a perfect operational record. Um, and it was great. It was a lot safer than the shuttle turned out to be. Cough, cough. But anyway, so <clears throat> to answer your question, there's no real regulatory agency that rates rockets as safe. NASA just kind of goes, so, well, we're pretty sure it's good. So some, it. someone like Elon Musk says, I'm going to start my own space company. Right. How do you, how far can you go without somebody from the government saying you can continue to do this. I think the very first time you launch a, a, a launch vehicle that's above a certain size, and I think that size is like model rocket size. You get size. NORAD's attention. Yeah. If it's if it's above a certain size and you're launching it and you're launching it like into like class A airspace, like up above, you, you need to at least like have some permits or something. You gotta call the FAA and be like, Hey, I was thinking of launching a rocket and I'm not near an airport and you know, here's my details and I don't know if there's a if like you have to pay or anything, but pretty much the first time you decide to 
actually make something fly, you need to have already been talking to the government to get permission to do it. If, if nothing else, just like you said, FAA to clear airspace. Yeah. Make sure no flight plans are going through, you know, where you intend to... I think that's class A. Let's see. Airspace. Well, it, I, would, I would imagine that someone like Elon Musk and SpaceX would do all their research. There's probably information they can gather before they start pumping money into building the thing and getting ready to launch it. They should have some of their... Would, have to have some way to have their ducks. Well, I'm not a business person, a business guy, and Elon Musk is, so I only assume that a lot of that would have been part of whatever sort of like business plan he would have had to put together to to, to start SpaceX. Um, although, I'd, I'd have to look up to see if he funded it entirely himself or not. I think he, he may have. But, I mean, you pretty much have to have the government involved. If you're going to do something like that, you've got to have the government involved at some point. And knowing that anything you do with them is going to take a million years to do because everything. Where the are they is based slow. out of? of? SpaceX. Yeah, they're in. Uh, I want to see like Hawthorne, California, something. They're they're close to. Um, let's yeah, see. they're Hawthorne. Hawthorne. Yeah, so they're in they're in Cali. Um, but yeah, if you're going to be filing government paperwork for something like this, you've got to you've got to think there's going to be like a lot of paperwork and it's going to take a long time. So so right now, so you get involved with them sooner rather than later, probably right at the outset, just knowing that you're going to be up to your neck in paperwork. So right now, as things stand, so he's, going back to the original question, like, what is Houston's was there a question? Role? Oh yes, there what's was. What's Houston's Sorry. role? What's Houston's role? How does how does Houston? Who in Houston? Ooh. Who says? Okay, we've got NASA over here. We've got SpaceX over here. We're starting to see the lines become more delineated between government-controlled space exploration and private-controlled well, space. There is, you need to get there a is politician. one other aspect here that we haven't talked about yet, and it's the thing that Houston aliens. Yes, aliens. <laughs> it's the thing that Houston really the main role that Houston has always served in the space program, and that is the center for where the astronauts are based and trained out of. Um, I don't know this. I probably could Wikipedia it, but my impression is that when <clears throat> when SpaceX flies or when Boeing flies, whoever does the first commercial crew, whoever wins the commercial crew contract, when they fly, it'll be with their you know their spaceship, their launch vehicle, uh, but it will be with NASA astronauts. Okay. Uh, and the, I mean, just because we have, I mean, I I don't know, I don't know how big the astronaut core is right now. Let me see if I can get a quick. It's not count. like if you're one of if you're best buds with Elon, you can just. Be one of the pilots. No, I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna let you do that. Let's see here. The astronaut corps is <clears> currently <throat> made up of. Wikipedia is failing me. There's. I mean, there's a few. Hold on. I want to say there's at least a hundred of them right now. Hundred astronauts. astronauts nope, nope. There's quite few. As of July 2015, the core, the astronaut corps, has 46 active astronauts and 36 finger quote management astronauts. That is employed at NASA, but are no longer eligible for flight assignment. The highest number of active astronauts at one time was in 2000, when they're up to 149. Okay, so right now there are 46, like flight eligible astronauts. Um, so we've lost a hundred, and, and they're here in Houston. I mean, for the most part, uh, their their families may live elsewhere, and they may travel back and forth, but they live and work here because this is this is where the astronauts go. That's that's one of JSC's prime purpose is to house, train, and and prepare the astronaut core. <clears throat> so that's a role we could potentially take unless SpaceX wants to or or Bigelow or whomever wants to like fill their spaceships with their own people, which they might. Um, but at this point you've got 46 highly trained, ready to go astronauts that were just sort of, except for the occasional Soyuz ride, are just kind of hanging out, not really doing much. Flying T-38s on government money. 
That is one of the that is one of the perks, by the way. I don't know if they still do this, but if you're, I know they don't do it for payload specialists, but it used to be if you were a if you were an astronaut candidate, they when they hired you, and they did this with Jack Schmidt uh, before he flew on Apollo. Um, he was not an he was not a pilot, but they hire you in and they train you up on supersonic jets and you get right. to become a pilot. And then once you're in the astronaut corps, you get free use of the T-38. the T-38s and go do whatever you want. Maybe not whatever you I want. I haven't seen a T-38 <clears throat> fly in a long time. They still flying? Oh yeah. No, there's uh there's there's a few of them. I want to say there's a dozen or so down in Ellington. I mean, that's not like one for every astronaut, but No, there's, but there there's used a, to be a, a there fleet. was a time you would see T-38s buzzing mm-hmm. around. You don't have it seen one in a long time. No. Shooting Womp Rants in Beggar's Canyon. <laughs> <laughs> that's T-16s. <laughs> Those are T-16s. <laughs> All right. Well, we're coming up. Time to do a station well, this hour went by fast. Let's talk about space some more. I can do this uh, all night. I, I appreciate Max calling in and yeah. we get the conversation started. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting discussion. What is the future of Space City? You know, what are we going to do? Maybe the Super Bowl will kick something off. I don't know. <laughs> Stay inside my house for two weeks when that kicks off. Oh, no kidding. Are you going to be photographing that thing, Groove House? No idea. No idea? No idea. All right. Well, there's the music. We're going to take a short break here on Technology Space Bites and come back after these brief uh, station messages. So stick around. And if you want to be on the air, give us a call at 713-526-5738, 713-526-KPFT. This is Technology Bites. I'm Jay Lee. I'm Barrett. <laughs> I'm confused. I'm afflicted. <laughs> I'm Lee. And he's... Group house. And space, no one can hear you scream. <laughs> space, no one can hear you say I'm afflicted. <laughs> <laughs> like to help evaluate programs, vet new ones, assist with making public service announcements, and provide volunteer support to the management of KPFT. We're taking applications for listener positions on the newly forming Program Council. That's a group of staff, listeners, and listener station board members who will be charged with working with, advising, and supporting the management of the station in putting on what goes out over the air. It's a two-year commitment, and any listener member is welcome to apply. Send your application with a short description of yourself, your particular interest in working with the Program Council, and any past experience you have had that seems relevant, by email to the KPFT Listener Station Board. That's lsb at kpft.org. Put Program Council in the subject line. Applications are due by December 31st. Listener members will be selected from the pool of applicants by a joint decision of the General Manager and the Listener Station Board. You're listening to KPFT Houston, 90.1 FM, KPFT Houston wants to thank 
Auntie Chang's in Berry Hill in the Heights for being a part of our KPFT Community Partner Program. Making a difference in our community is important to us here at KPFT. Our Restaurant Community Partner Program includes exclusive access to our KPFT Community Directory, free advertising when you donate food to our volunteers during our pledge drive, and citywide representation on the KPFT Foodie Call. So if you would like to be a part of our KPFT Restaurant Community Partner Program, visit us at kpft.org or call Tony at 713-526-4000, extension 301. Thank you for listening to KPFT Houston. You are listening to 90.1 FM KPFT Houston. We now return to Technology Bites. Wow. So... Lee came bringing gifts. Oh, and it's got a magnet. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can hang it now. It's a magnet opus. All right. Oh, that's awesome. I think we should shorten technology space bites to just technology spites. Just technology spite. Technology spite. Technology spite. What are you looking for? Did you get the other ones? Did uh, you give flicked and groove there? Oh yeah, they're yeah. hanging. Oh oh oh! <laughs> they are pre festive. We got a festive post-Christmas okay. decoration thing going on here. That's very cool. Is Cynthia, is Cynthia going to be listening to the show? If Cynthia no. is listening, I love the presents. Thank you, thank you, Cynthia. We had a gift exchange during the break. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So welcome back to Technology Bites. We're going to carry on for another hour or so. It just it looks more fragile than it is. Oh yeah, no, it's it's, it's yeah. My sturdy. wife made ornaments for everybody, uh, and yeah, no, they're they're it's pretty sturdy. Laura's awesome. Thank her. Thank Laura. I will. She might be listening. Well, thank you, Laura. Thank you've you. got a present coming, Laura. We're not going to tell you what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Take that, Laura. <laughs> All right. So if you want to be on the air with us tonight, the phone number is 713-526-5738. We're talking, we spent the first hour of the show talking about space. We can keep talking about space or we can talk about whatever you want. Can we not talk about Princess Leia's mom passing away too? Did she? Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't see that. Yeah, that was I saw today. that she had been taken to the hospital. I didn't see that she had actually Yeah, she died, went ahead so. and died. Oh, so. That's terrible. That's, yeah. Yeah, I saw, I, I think you weren't here yet. I saw Rogue One yesterday, just in time for that whole thing. So I was fine up until they did the little, you know, ending shot of, you know, Carrie Fisher. I was like, oh. No. The creepy CGI Carrie Fisher oh. they had. Yeah, it was a little creepy. It, Tarkin very, was, it was not done very well. Tarkin no. was done much better. Tarkin was much better, but it still seemed a little it was video game to me. Kind of rubber face, yeah. just a little bit with Tarkin. Well, they did what, like some kind of video mapping of the face on top of an actor. I, from what I saw in yeah. reading the reviews of it, the guy wore like a mask, you know, like with a, dots on it. With dots on it, yeah, and they just basically. And then acted poorly and very, very cement like. And they found someone with a British accent. Do the voice. Dude, less emotion. Like One more time with less well, emotion. I will say, going back to the Rogue One discussion, because that's really the. <clears> that's really all. That's why we're here. Okay, was yeah. something was something up with Darth Vader's voice? Like it just sounded kind yeah, of. James Earl Jones is old. Well, yes, well, I okay. thought they ripped it out of James Earl Jones the uh, the Vader sessions. They just looped it back out. I heard some of that was from Field of Dreams lifted. Some of it was from yeah. Did they? Did, did he actually? Movies. Did they drag him out to do the voice? I, I didn't know. check it out. It sounded older than it should have. I did not like the the stupid zinger 
the the choking zinger. Zing of the day. No, yeah, no. That was just, he didn't need to do that. That was unnecessary. Um, However, it was an excellent study in the inner workings of IT. Yes, and James getting, Earl Jones reprises his role from previous films. As the what do you mean? relationship between management and the workforce. Even though technically one of the guys wasn't really one of the worker guys, but there was definitely you know management saying like you must get it done at all costs, and then you know it's. I just did, well, it seemed like, a, like a, a tale the, the, of the, corporate America. The most, the most true to life thing was in terms of corporate America was that the guy who basically oversaw the building and construction of the Death Star demonstrated that it worked, and then management came in and took control <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. and credit as they reported back to Vader. And then, of course, for you know, being the whiny little baby that he was, he went and tattletailed back to Vader and. <clears throat> And I almost paid the ultimate price. Vader was for that. Vader was unimpressed with his tattletaling. Like you know, that's kind of the same thing happened to me when I worked at uh, <laughs> one of my companies. Where you know everything that I did in IT, you know, I mean, I was I was good at what I did, and 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 every time I would accomplish something, my boss would go to the CEO and basically look what I did. Look what I've done. I've completely revamped the blah blah blahs just like, but if anything gets messed up oh. that stuff doesn't go up top it rolls back down to you yeah, my people had so no that's... authorization to do that i didn't tell them to do I that them whatever do it that. was that he messed up that was not on my watch kind of got the feeling will. when when what's his name home dude went to go see went to go visit vader that it was like going into like the ceo's office it was like really intimidating. oh yeah totally that's and what like, i mean yeah i don't know Vader. how this is going to go here you know tattletailing to the ceo is never a good idea because he can crush you like a bug and yeah. in, in vader's case you. he can like literally like murder you or force and, choke you out of your stock options you know he goes to vader's <laughs> lava palace on the lava world and and like you know bugs him out of his cryo bath whatever he's in where he's you know tank. floating in his back to tank or whatever and Vader's basically like, you got me out of my back-to-tank for this. It's Shauna time. He's having a bubble bath. A little lush bomb in there. Go outside without a suit. Oh, God. Fizzy, fizzy. <laughs> I do feel like they ripped off a lot of locales. Like, one of them really was like, I figured Sauron was living up there in Mordor in the mm-hmm. tower. There was another one that was straight up ripped off of Dubai. Ending. I'm oh, trying. Yeah. I'm trying to dance around a lot of this, but it's like let's take I famous liked, iconic parts and incorporate it into our. Well, I liked you know the the some of the the Red Wing the Red Squad pilots were it was interesting to see them. Blue again. Squadron, mm-hmm. blue and Gold Squadron. Blue Squadron wasn't in. The, yeah, they were. No, well, no, they were. No, Gold was. Gold, gold was, and Red yeah, was. was but, yeah. Well, no, I watched a whole thing that talked about all the. The Easter eggs of the movie, and, and they, they how like the, they, they blew ex- up they blew up the fat X wing pilot again. <laughs> so they explained, it was Red Five. And they tiny. blew him up. They explained why Blue Wing was not was not you know the whole story explains why the Blue Wing was not seen in a new house <laughs> because because spoiler they didn't like blue. They, no, they really these X wings whole... look better in red. I thought they were kind of cool looking in blue, actually. I, hey, I'm just trying to save some, you know. Yeah. I'm usually the last person to see something, so and, it's amazing and, that I've, I've seen they, it. And they, you know, they didn't destroy whatever they needed to destroy with a with a photon torpedo. See, I thought what was really good was Mads Mikkelsen reprising his role as Hannibal in this movie. I thought uh, when he was acting like Hannibal, it was like totally great, especially when he ate that guy. Mm-hmm. That was that was an <laughs> awesome part of the movie. That's kind of like in Westworld. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Mickelson and Hannibal was in Westworld. That's, his, that's the Hannibal. You the heard Hannibal, it here first. The Hannibal connection there because you had what's his name and you know. Well, there's supposed to be cannibalism in Westworld. We just have never seen it. It happens off screen all the time. Apparently, it's like a thing in the narratives. The robots eating each other. Now you should go really? watch Westworld. It's not just like stealing upgrades. <laughs> what else can we spoil? 
Surely there's something. I'm so, sure we could think of something else to say. So did you have a good Christmas, Lee? Did have, you do anything? I had a fabulous for... Christmas. Stayed at home. That's that's what I like to do. Sorry, I know that's not very exciting. That's it's my my perfect vacation. Everyone around my neighborhood, it seems like, got drones. Pretty much everyone really? I know. This was the year of getting drones. So you walk out just, yeah. Christmas Day, and it's everywhere. It's, it's like that episode of South Park where everybody gets drones. And yeah, I was. I, I haven't seen. I need to go see that. I was literally like <laughs> hanging out at one point, you know, in a countryish kind of location with my parents. You know, they they live in a log cabiny thing, and this drone in comes in and just smack. And yeah, just literally like you know, inches, not inches, maybe like foot people's something? heads hits the log cabin, just like smack. I think it was one of my nephews just got the oh. drone got out of control and came in at a very fast speed and just you know, I don't know. I just see this getting out of hand. Well, I, it was know. fine when just us. We just had drones, but no one else can really, you know. Well, I worry because I, you know, I'm I'm planning to go back to Iceland next year and forever. It would be nice <laughs> not ever having to see your face again. <laughs> not ever having to deal with this weather here again. But you know, I I when I went to London, the thing that I saw everywhere that irritated me, but it was just irritating because it's irritating. Not British because, people. No, selfie sticks. Selfie sticks, yeah. Selfie sticks. They've taken over Europe. They're, you know, it's a, it's a British, yes. (laughs) I already said that. But, you know, they're every, you know, it's everywhere you go, there's people that are, you know, with their selfie sticks. All right, help help me out with the selfie stick thing, because I, I've never used one. Okay. Nor should you. Yeah. And, and like, you're just bragging. I know you, you know, you stick the phone on it and you hold it out there and it, but like, how does like what what presses the Bluetooth, Bluetooth trigger? Button? Bluetooth. Bluetooth. Really? Okay. Yeah. There's a little wheelie and a little pulley. I just figured it was like button. those those like <laughs> things you buy at this fair where it's like the grabby shark head on yeah. the end where you pull the trigger and like something just like press the button. But I guess no, it, it's, I guess a, it it's a Bluetooth trigger. Bluetooth trigger or you know. grabby shark head. Or or you know or a dinosaur head. You know whatever. Just yeah, one of the yeah. grabby you know chomper on a stick. Well, yeah. Circa Astro World 1978. Yeah, those are awesome. But to go back to my original point or discussion, whatever it was, um, I worry now, you know, and I I did see it a little bit when I was in New Zealand and Iceland before, is there is the drone pilot. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of unpleasant. Mm -hmm. Yes. But I have this vision of going to some great natural wonder and seeing like, you know, (laughs) 50 drones flying around trying to video it all at one time. There's going to have to be regulation now. Maybe in the United States, but you know, when I was in New Zealand, we went to to Franz Joseph Glacier and you walk up to the hiking trail and there's a sign that says, there's a red circle with a line through it with a dog in the middle and then below that was one with a DJI fi- Phantom drone. No drones. You know, so or just no, no, no dog, no drone. Get a parrot. No drones. No <laughs> robot. What if you have a drone that is a dog? A uh, seeing eye drone. Drone dog. Seeing eye drone. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, that'd be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I think that's where it's going. I, I want my little, you know, much friendlier, less knockable over Boston Dynamics. Little pup, they're they're getting kind of lightweight, and you know when when I can like sleep in it without him, it though, without me dying of carbon monoxide poisoning because he's you know a, right gas powered. Need to make sure nice. to get the battery one. Get the battery one. I want it where they're like snow crash, like that speed, that fast, but maybe not embodying the soul of a dead dog. You know how are they doing that? Seven one three five two six five seven three eight. If you'd like to. Uh, Help us out here tonight. Uh, we're not asking for money when I, I was say. Help say, us man, out. that felt kind of like fundraiser time. <laughs> oh, that's coming though. Don't, don't, don't. No, so the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. It looks like Amazon put in something. Uh, more or less, it's a oh, set of yeah. countermeasures for threats to uncrewed autonomous vehicles, which more or less is like, hey, don't shoot down our drones and steal our stuff. Did you see the patent from uh, Amazon that uh, showed the the 
the blimps that were like launch pads. They were they have these storage containers on blimps, and they're launching drones into neighborhoods to deliver packages. Whoa, that's really? kind of awesome. This isn't like Russians saying like, "Hey, comrades, we are launching." Um, packages. Because blimps are blimps are cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm like an airship fan. That's those are the airship. A dirigible. Are, dirigible. Dirigibles are all. Awesome. Let's do a monocle. Say that again. <laughs> oh, indeed. Huh? Indeed. Amazon has a patent for floating blimp warehouses. So would they would they take their underpaid like labor law abused abused like seasonal workers and like force them to live on the blimps? Now? I don't know. Labor they... laws don't exist in international <laughs> <That's> airspace. <right. laughs> Pretty sure they used just, to do that. That just with looks like so fake. I know that's probably real, but that just. But the looks... patent drawing—they always yeah. look terrible. They're terrible on purpose. Uh-huh. So that's actually USTPO PTO. Is it a is it a patent granted or a patent application? I bet it's an app. It's because it got to be the application. I don't know. I just recent. I just became aware of it, but you know. It's... This is the one I was looking at. So they've got a drawing of a malicious person with a bow and an arrow. <laughs> he's not <laughs> even holding it. Yeah, he's not even holding it. And he missed it. The arrow's like it. going off that way. It's, it's item. Well, that's number because four their technology works. I love how they've got like the ground is labeled, the, the horizon ground. is labeled and numbered so that it can be referred to in this in this thing. Here. So what it looks like, it's not so much that they're making you know drones that one single drone can evade anything. It looks like what they're doing, at least the start of it is, is like a mesh network of drones where if a drone or two get taken down, uh-huh. they say, hey, this neighborhood's not safe. <laughs> I mean, really, it's, it's cancel a, their it's prime a, membership. The drone whistle, more or less. It's like, hey, get out, leave, delay, go now. delay their packages as punishment. I mean that's kind of the thing. Nobody wants to, you know. It's a it's a it's a tragedy when when a UPS truck wrecks. I mean, mm-hmm. even if the driver is okay, because your stuff is going to be delayed. And I mean, you know, it's all it's all fine and good for you know everybody to be like, well, if somebody flies a drone over my house, I'm going to shoot it down. But like, if that drone has like your like thing that you bought for your wife Grandma's for your anniversary, medicine. which is tomorrow, and it needs to be here today because you paid extra for drone delivery. A little Timmy's crutch. <laughs> I think like this is going to be kind of like a tragedy of the commons thing, right? I mean, nobody's going to want to shoot down the drone. What if that drone's got your package on it? An unknown secret, the UPS package cars, having done some time there, I've seen many normal cars hit package cars, mm-hmm. and you come on the scene, and you can't even tell where the UPS car really got bumped, because if you hit it from the back <laughs> or from the front, they're so just reinforced. Is that what they call them? Package cars? Package cars, the yes. official name? Package car. Huh. Package car are the, are the brown things that you usually right. see, and the then you've got the feeders, thing. are they 18-wheelers, and yeah, there are multiple names. We even, we, I say we, I guess it's still stock, yeah, they've uh, got boats in Venice. Huh. You know, we've got little, little planes, we've got Lear jets. Huh. We had one of the largest airlines in the world. We used to be 10th or somewhere, I don't know where we are now. With all the consolidation, well, they still fly like seven twenty sevens and oh uh, no, things. seven a lot of seven thirty seven MD quiet fighters, a lot of MD eighties. We had a lot of MD eighties, a lot of Learjets for like, oops, we missed these packages. Can we get them somewhere quickly? <laughs> now that's kind of cool. I like to think that some of my some of my packages have been flown on a bespoke Learjet voyage because somebody dropped the box. I don't know if have. things have changed because I ordered some things from you know a very large online retailer <clears> where I don't have to pay very much to actually free to get it delivered in two days, and a few things when they said like, hey, order it now will show up by the state did right. not show up by the state oh. but i do know that at least when i worked at uh, the company if there was anything found in the facilities that got delivered it was going out one way or the other it didn't matter how like a manager would take it it would it was going like you, that was one were of the you a, were you a package handler no i was well i i was never old enough to drive a car um because i so i made management before i was old enough to like you know be insured and stuff ah. um, but yeah i, I hmm. loaded 18 wheelers and sorted packages in the air and i, I still have nightmares about zip codes because i memorized all say, the zip yeah. codes in the u.s just was it, about was 
was it like one of those like low paying back breaking jobs? That... It was actually fairly high paying for when it was. It was one of the better. I worked you know three hours, four hours a day. If and, you saw uh, a package that had a fragile label on it, did you make sure to give it like an extra kick? No, we didn't do that. It across the floor. We, we had a uh, hand to surface, which means that yeah, packages never are supposed to fly through the air. It's, now again, it, that all could have changed, but you know, especially I in the holiday the season, we, we would not going. hire Pele. No Pele. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, I know some of the stuff I've ordered from various places, and it's not. I mean, I'm not dogging on UPS. It's everywhere. The packages will show up, and it looks like sometimes they're fine, and sometimes they've been through a little bit. Well, a lot of it, too, that they're getting into a lot of automation, because they used to be, you know, you would have, like, these huge, and it's kind of hard to get your head around, but they're literally in a lot of these sorting facilities. You'll have, you know, like, X X hundreds of thousands of packages come into a single warehouse, you know, during a four-hour period. They've got to, you know, come in off 18-wheelers, get sorted around, go on to either other 18-wheelers or local this is cars all or whatever. touch labor. Well, like it used to be. It used to be. That's where, teenagers like... Teenagers in there. Yeah. Well, at MaxiCo now, a lot of it is uh, sorted on conveyors and stuff like that. So you have, you know, conveyor belts that go. It'll scan a label. It'll kick it off. You'll have these, you know, like pneumatic kind of, you know, things. It'll kick packages off conveyors. And I think... They, when a lot of that stuff first came, well, so here's the thing: when those things operate, they operate very nicely. But when you know, like this 400-pound pneumatic lever comes out and the packages aren't exactly lined up or something sticks, right? It will, you know, yeah. And, and when you're dealing with that many packages, you're going to have, you know, some right. some numbers you might in there. Might eat your package just a might little bit. Might crunch your package a little bit. <laughs> mm. So half of me wonders why, like, how the big shippers can get away with shipping so much air and everything, because you know there's dimensional weights, but maybe it's just to protect stuff. I don't know. I do know that Amazon's trying to get into their own thing. So, you know, with drone, with uh, what even is, just LTL. I mean, what's the idea of delivering by drone? I mean, is that just a novelty thing? So it's, that... I think it's eventually going to go there. I think right now just saying that you're doing it is kind of gimmicky to get your name out in the news. Because they've, they've, like, the number of Amazon drone deliveries that have happened, they're kind of smallish. And I think they're only doing it to test people that are Amazon workers. Like, I don't think anyone that doesn't work for Amazon or has a tie into Amazon has gotten a drone delivery yet. Huh. As of a week ago. Well, well. Speaking of strange ways to deliver product, I uh, I took time this weekend and went by Carvana. What's a what is a Carvana? Carvana is I do this, not know this. It is a uh, it is a new. Well, they've got locations in like Dallas and maybe in Vegas and other places. It's a used car dealership, but they're they're gimmick their trick is that they have this giant silo this glass oh, silo yes full of cars oh. and, and you, you put a quarter in and, and you put a, a lot of quarters you put a coin in and this robot arm like the thing you saw in rogue one uh-huh. sorts out where the car is and then pulls the pallet down and brings it back doesn't, down doesn't bmw have something like that and and like the the bmw velt and in the Munich? vending machine i didn't see that they had i didn't see that when i was there but it's quite possible I think, that I they, they had something like that yeah uh but <clears throat> let's see if i uh I don't know where it is. So I went over and and got the lowdown on it because it's you like bought a, a car. No, <laughs> it says it is coin operated. I'm assuming you've got to have a special coin. They, there's Bitcoin. a special coin. And so what happens is it's like a really big coin. <laughs> it's a novelty coin about the size of a frisbee, Michigan. a small frisbee, <laughs> disc golf frisbee maybe. Um, I didn't actually see the coin, but I saw the slot. And I don't know how it works exactly because if I'm going to buy a car. Um, I'm not going to go and point at it like in the claw machine and say I want that car. So what if you drop and, it and buy it? Well, my luck is the car is going to get stuck halfway down. I'm after rattle the machine. <laughs> well, I have to buy another car to knock that car next, out. <laughs> well, if you, if that happens, then you give up, and then the next guy comes along and gets two it's cars. Two cars. <laughs> two cars. <laughs> but uh, 
Uh, here it's I'll show. Awesome when that happens. I will show. Uh, I'll show Lee a picture of it. All right. That's pretty awesome looking. So, so it, that's here in Houston. That's correct? here in Houston. So, the first one's where? in Nashville. I uh, it's I ten and Wilcrest. Oh, right. And so the idea is, I mean, it's a used car dealership like Carbax, mm-hmm. uh, but they have really not. I mean, they have a limited, I guess, a somewhat limited selection of cars. But I, you can, they'll pull it down. You can, if it's like, oh, I want that mini up there, and then you bring it down, and you can test drive it for a week before you buy it. But they've got. Th- like four bays here. So once the car comes down, it comes through this little kind of a tunnel and it, it's unveiled to you as you're sitting in the lobby and then they drive it into one of the bays and then you can go talk to a, a dealer about it. The dealer can show you the features on the car and you can take it for a test drive and you can test drive it, I think, for a week. So yeah. do you, the human has to be involved in the process. You can't just go up and have it completely. It's not. No, it's not. It's a, it, it, there, there's human. It's a gimmick. It's not like you can go there and feed enough quarters into it and drive away. <laughs> Wee! But it's kind of supposed to be like that. Right. But which, it, as it, long it, as you can find a plug that's the right size and weight. <laughs> yeah. I see. Put a string <laughs> string on it. Put just, it in. Put it out. Put some tape on there. <laughs> Well, that, that it reminds me of that other another thing I became aware of is there's there's unmanned uh, car rental places. Well, like Zipcar. Yeah, like, Zipcar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know about that. Yeah, it's been around for a while in some other cities too. Even like car share kind of things where you just you leave it on the curb. You know, you you go to your app and it says, "Hey, your car is two blocks this way and one block that way." And yeah, you just hop in the car. They can unlock it remotely. Like I, I know it's not the OnStar, but it's some kind of technology like that. And then you're you're on your way. Huh. All right. Technology. I do wish this was like a legit coin operated. Yeah, it's it, somebody has to key it in. I mean, they, they put the key. I don't think I don't. Well, it might be, and I don't know if the answer to this, but it's something I'm sure I could find out. It might be that they once you have everything set up, you know, you say I want that car, then one of the salespeople goes and keys it in. So and when you drop pomp the, and circumstance. And when you drop the coin in, then it it sets off the uh, the Rube Goldberg. Womp, womp, womp. You lose. Play again. <laughs> Coin yeah, don't de- go to one of these in Vegas. <laughs> coin detected in pocket. Now in Vegas there are there are vending machines for like Rolex watches mm-hmm. for cars. I mean you could go and basically put your money in a machine, a credit card, and buy well, I a car. Do like that in the airports, like everything from you know, like the headphones or you know, if you want a laptop battery or something like that. That's kinda neat. Yeah. You know, like uh, the big box stores do that. Do you think that's gonna I don't know. I, I would like to go. Do you think we'll ever be able to go and you know go like do a big? I hate to say the names of stores, but like go to where you used to work for, and instead of actually going into the store, I've seen Best Buy yeah. vending machines at they, the airport. No, I've seen those, but I mean, is that ever going? I've, I've actually gotten something out of there once. Well, but that, do you think that will ever replace the actual store? You should go to Japan. <laughs> yeah, I want. Well, to. I think I think. <laughs> but anything you buy over there is going to be right hand drive. I think that any of the box store brick and oh, that's mortar. What, I wouldn't get out of place. a vending machine in Japan. <laughs> Anybody who's trying to get in I, mean, I think it's the vending machine lobby is probably amazon's biggest threat with the uh drone lobby mm-hmm. so they want to deliver it all the way to your door you don't even have to go to the machine and put your coin in. And that's what amazon was doing christmas eve they were doing two-hour delivery through a lot of houston and i noticed that because a lot of the stuff sold out like i was looking at like they had amazon echoes and you know they ran all the way up i think until midnight christmas eve Poor souls that had to deliver, you know, that late. But they actually sold out of a lot of their stock. In Amazon Houston. sent me. Amazon sent me a ten dollar uh, same day delivery coupon. I forgot to use my coupon. I just realized that. But, but if you look at it, 
on a there's a five dollar service fee for having the same day delivery. So it's really oh. only five bucks off tops. And so you know you get the ten dollar coupon, but a, they have a five dollar fee on smaller items. Because I almost bought, I thought, well, this is a good deal. I mean, I could get ten dollars off of an Amazon dot, but it was really only going to be five dollars off the dot, to, and I was paying, you know. Like if I did it regular <clears throat> delivery, it would cost me just five dollars more. Still, I mean the dots. I, I think a lot of. The, but they right. don't do it here. They don't do the same day delivery here. Yeah, they yeah, do. They do. Yeah. The heights, the double oh eight. They did a lot of the. It's not on their. It's not on their list. <clears throat> they they just started it up. Maybe it was just a holiday thing only. But I know that I've yeah no I've I've had friends that have gotten video games. Yeah. Direct but it's delivered. not it's not all of. Houston and surrounding areas, though, is it? Probably. I not. know the distribution center is. Uh, this is very Houston specific. Sorry, other areas is off uh, like 290 and 43rd Mangum that area. So in there. Definitely not down in Lake City where I am. No, <laughs> like and there, there could be others, but I know that's where the main distribution point is. The cross stock stuff. All right. So you st- I have a question. Speaking of deliveries, how does UPS and the post office and places like that deal with really remote? places that are frozen over so like say you live in in quebec or vancouver Saskatchewan. they will they'll still deliver so i don't know how the usps does it but they'll still deliver sometimes the old so there are different kind of designations like the ultra rural stuff they might not get daily deliveries they might get like every other day deliveries and then some areas too if they're super rural they will deliver to the nearest like quote unquote trading post and it's up to those other people to get on the dog sleds do whatever they need to do Mushed on end where that drop point is. But, you know, they're not going to, you oh, can't put like, you know, second tent here. from the 8th Glacier by the Caribou. You know, that's not really going to fly. You kind of have to have a, a legit street address. Um, but, you know, if there's enough volume, they'll try and they'll try and get it out. Hmm. That's interesting. So you're, so even if you're out with your your Inuit people, you can still order from Amazon. And That's and what I was wondering because I was like, I was, when I was in, uh, when I went to Canada earlier this year and I was all the way up in... Uh, and uh, north northern Canada, uh, above Nova Scotia, <laughs> Newfoundland. There you go. I was in Newfoundland, and we were up all the way up in the north part of Newfoundland, and it it was summertime, so it wasn't snowing or anything. But I was talking to the the guy who was doing one of the the boat tours we were on, and he said, "Yeah, from my house, it's six hours to the Costco and nine hours to the Walmart." Ugh. And so, so I guess you get the suburban and load up like well, once, once that, a month or so. I became I became aware through other channels that the uh, WalMarts in Canada have RV hookups. Oh, and so you make it, a day trip to Walmart. So you basically. go you go there and maybe you camp for the night and get up and buy your stuff and then drive home. Camping hmm. out at Walmart. That sounds very. That sounds American. <laughs> I, that doesn't sound Canadian. That, that sounds Canadian. American. <laughs> you know, so, you know, so, but in the winter time when you can't get anywhere because mm. the roads are completely iced over. Well, what do they do? You're you're a regular in Iceland. What is? I mean, is what do you what do you do? When you order from Amazon and in Iceland. I don't know. I mean, mm. I would imagine on the ring road, Sled dog. anything could get delivered. Yeah. Uh, I mean, is are, are I mean not to take this in free-flowing weird directions but what are like staple <laughs> goods cost in, a, in in iceland and places like this well considering they can't grow anything yeah. but beef and, and and fermented shark fish parts <laughs> shark that's private why it's, parts that's why it's so expensive it's cold because seaweed. everything has to be is, i mean is it like you buy a thing of milk and it's like eight dollars for milk or something ridiculous? i don't know i mean milk's probably not blue milk's expensive. pretty expensive over there it is it has to come from space Squee. 
<laughs> so I was trying to figure out like what are the most esoteric you know delivery vehicles out there. Someone's using tricycles to deliver packages. No. Yeah, and they're saying, of course, it's in Portland. <laughs> For real, they really are. It's more of like an aerodynamic three-wheeled cart that's pedaled, but it's a tricycle. Of course, it is. I don't know if I'm. I would love to visit Portland, but I don't. I don't know if I could live there. I don't know if I'm cool enough to live in Portland. Mm. Just pretend it's the '90s, just like Portlandia. <laughs> You're fine. The dream no. of the Actually, 90s. I wouldn't want to live in in Portland. I read a piece online. I'd have to go look it up. I don't remember where it was from. It may have been. It may have been Vice. Um, I don't know. I read it, but it was a big in-depth piece on um, how the Pacific Northwest is like basically at any given moment, uh, like <clears throat> minutes away from complete and utter annihilation from two or three different types of natural disasters, and like Portland specifically is like so incredibly vulnerable to like landslides and mudslides oh, yeah. that if that if it happened, like ninety percent of the people there would be like basically instantly killed. Saint Helens supposedly like, is getting active again. It's just yeah, that whole area. Yeah, and there and there and it's not like you can like prepare for it or whatever. It's like because of the way the geography is and how the cities are built, it's like you're just gonna die and there's nothing really to it. So I guess just go ahead and build the city and live there with the understanding that there's no way out and just make your peace with that. Mm-hmm. I gotta go look that piece. It was a, it was a, hmm. it was a really, really, it was a, like a long form piece. It was really interesting, um, and uh, and it, it had a lot of really cool info in it. Let's Googling see. Portland living on edge of death. Uh, that might be. <laughs> oh, that gets us pretty close. That might be it. <laughs> yeah. Seven one three five two six five seven three eight for all of you listening in tonight who uh, have lamented the lack of the call-in portion of Technology Bytes. We have revived that. If you want to be on the air with us, you want to talk about. Amazon deliveries or UPS or <laughs> drones or, you know, your latest hard Rogue drive one. crash. <laughs> the Rogue One, like when he was telling the, the telling them that he was, when they were trying to get flight clearance and they were taking the confiscated whatever craft and going off to go. Yeah, this is Boilerville. Rogue One. We're fine. How are you? Total reminded me of that scene mm. all right so 713-526-5738 if you want to be on the air with us tonight here on technology bites we invite you to call in we've got about half an hour left in the show we're not asking for money this time around but that's coming but for now if you want to take advantage freeform tech bites freeform tech bites pete's not here to lead us and we are all <laughs> don't worry next we're week just the news lost in space free associating left and right it's all we know how to do without pete so I heard that I heard you know not to boost Amazon too much, but I heard that Amazon had <laughs> their one of their best years ever, and it was really that the top of the whole thing was the Amazon Echo. Apparently, the really? the home uh, the home assistant, as they're calling these things now, is a, it's a driving concern. I think it's a, they've gotten cheap. They've gotten cheap, and I don't know if that's because the NSA is subsidizing the listening <laughs> devices or what. But well, the, the NSA has basically said, "Look, you know, we can subsidize the cost of the, each unit by probably thirty, forty percent, and your markup is this." No, but seriously, they're, it's becoming a mm-hmm. thing. There are two home, versions. Everyone's trying to everyone's trying to get out there. So there, there are two versions of the Echo. I can't even talk into my remote. To, to search for something on my TV. I have, you and have I the want to use an Echo. <laughs> what do you mean you can't talk? You can or you cannot talk into you it? Can't, it won't. You, you can't it, yeah. bring yourself to do it? It just it doesn't work. Mine does. Can't make it work. My Xfinity uh, has the, the talking remote, oh. and I can quote a line from a movie, and it'll find that movie for Ooh, me. If you quote Monty Python wrong, will it correct you? <laughs> How know. geeky is the remote? It just start like singing spam, spam, spam. But, no, but... Uh, th- 
The engines at Amazon were probably a little bit better than probably what's on most of the TV remotes. I'm assuming that Google, you know, Microsoft, you know, the biggies are putting in some money trying to do a little bit better. Well, the point the point is that this home automation, home assistant kind of thing is really taking off. And I think part of the reason that it's doing so is because it actually works. It's getting to that point where it does with lights, with you know, with TVs, with their, their ecosystems popping up around most of these centers. It's where enough. instead of just getting music or you know, like, hey, what time is it or what's the weather, you can actually do stuff in your home. Well, even the basic Ooh. stuff, like just if you're going to bring a device like this into your house and start thinking about this new paradigm of how you're interacting with technology, the music and the asking questions are too useful things they actually and they work so you say if you have a good music service like spotify or the the better amazon subscription service or something like that and you ask for a song to be played it plays it i mean i have forever not had a very large music library i used to have a giant music library and i just and napster went away and i walked <laughs> hard, hard. You, Lars. i walked away from a bunch of vinyl and 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 never really got into buying CDs. It just was God, this expensive, and there's nothing I want to have that I want to listen to that many times. And and I was really happy going with streaming music. And then now with having decent streaming services where you can just say, "Hey, play me some B52s," or or play me this whatever genre of music. And it just works. That's really nice. And then the whole information things like, hey, you know, what's the capital of, of Texas? You know, so, and having it just tell you is part but of the I know that one, Jay. Yeah. I know that one. <laughs> it's Houston. You should tie it into, like, I like, mine tied into, like, lighting systems where you can say, like, hey, Alexa, turn off all lights or, you know, turn on bedroom lights. TVs, you can say, like, hey, turn off the TV, which is nice. Or, hey, you know, put on Netflix or, hey, do But whatever. you have to have a, so. You've got to get other gear. Like, well, you right, know. But, but, but the main point is, is, like, the price point for bringing something like this into your house and having it be immediately useful mm -hmm is it's there and it sets up very quickly this to put it in perspective i had a friend that also did some stuff for nasa for a while and 10 years ago he was setting up like very high-end home automation packages in river oaks and tanglewood and turnkey for that was you know quarter million a little bit more maybe it's you know close to 12 or 14 years ago but this was you know very high-end stuff he had to sit down and program this stuff set up you know custom maps for everything do all this stuff and now pretty much better technology better actually actionable products you can get for you know Two figures, you know, there, not two so figures followed a, by three zeros. There was a guy who posted. I just found. I'm finding the Reddit thread right now. There was a guy who posted a. Uh, <clears throat> oh yeah, a, this a, is yeah. A video tour of a 1985 era home automation so system. So that Lee's looking at like what the touchscreen would be, and on the touchscreens, you had to design your own touchscreen and actually do the programming to draw those buttons, link those buttons, and yeah. other things. And, and every are, single piece, you had to program green, to talk everything else. You know, green CRT touchscreens, like like the one that you know these are these are old stuff. But yeah, I could see how this would be incredibly expensive because mm -hmm. this is from. You know, circa 1985. How do you get the? How, what do you need to get it to turn on the TV? Uh, there is the one I use is the Philips Harmony remote. Oh, so okay. more or less, what there is, it's a Wi-Fi, Bluetooth base station that then has a little plug-in, a couple plug-ins that go IR. So you can point them at TVs, and then you just say like, "Hey, here's what I've got." There's a smartphone <laughs> app to where you can do everything from your smartphone. You can do different profiles, and then you just tell Alexa because there are different skills that, "Hey, Alexa, I've got you know Harmony Smart Hub," and it goes in and you just name your TVs and you can say, you know, pretty much whatever you want to do different, uh, different scenes, 
It's it's pretty neat. There's like the the cool thing that, and I think Google's doing it too. Microsoft's going to do it. Is that they're catching on to the fact that hey, there are people at home that want to instead of just hooking the stuff up directly to the to the to the I guess what do you want to call them like the home hubs. Um, and having it work that they might want to do some dabbling themselves. So they've opened up like toolkits to do it. So Alexa has something called skills where you can go in and write your own skills or even better other companies or other developers can go in and write skills for you. So a real basic skill might be like a magic eight ball thing where Alexa, before you had the skill, had no idea what a magic eight ball is. Now you can say, Hey, Alexa, you know, magic eight ball and she'll give you, you know, one of those stock responses. You can also do stuff you know, that says like, Hey, turn on, you know, not probably shouldn't do this, but you could, you know, turn on your car. You could do anything that's connected to the internet. You can trigger a response to, to get something going. Specifically, but yeah. yeah. You know, but it, it's pretty neat. Now, the, the bad thing is there's suddenly there's, well, there's two things. So Arkansas a couple days ago, apparently someone got murdered in a hot tub. Yeah, you, it, actually was, it was actually November of 2015. So it's a while, but, they're but just, all this stuff is happening. Yeah, it's now. happening. So someone got murdered in a hot tub, and <clears throat> Arkansas, the police, and you know, how things work there, they said, "Hey, you know what? There was some music playing, you know, on Alexa before you know, all this was going on. So maybe if we were to capture what was asked of Alexa or what that microphone picked up, it might give us some clues into the murder, do whatever." So there's there's yeah, some the specific. Subpo- the specific thing here was that the Alexa, the Alexa, when you it's always listening, and it like it caches the last few sets of commands mm-hmm. <clears throat> because it has to like it's always listening. It's listening for the keyword, and it has like a running buffer of like the stuff that it's most recently heard. Mm-hmm. And if any of those things like have the Alexa keyword in it or whatever you've assigned your keyword to, then it takes that data and shunts it to the uh, Up to, to the, the cloud. API. Yeah. yeah, it plugs it into the API, and the magic happens. But yeah, the cops are looking at this. And they have looked at. Uh, they've subpoenaed Amazon to try to get the data out of them. They've subpoenaed Amazon a couple of times to try to get the data. They have the they have the Alexa, and they're trying to like cut it open and potentially forensically extract. There's the data a skill. I just found a. I just thought of a skill. What's that? Hide the body. <laughs> no, what? you would have you would have uh, a skill where you said, Alexa, help. Uh-huh. And it would. I need a cleaner. Send in the wolf. It would no. It would just start <laughs> recording for the next. Oh, yeah. Thirty seconds or thirty minutes. You it could, would record so like if somebody broke into your house or you, something was happening and you needed an audio. So it'd be like in Taken. Yeah, you start yelling out, "Help! I'm being attacked by a Caucasian male who looks at me about five foot eleven." All your internal cameras as well. If yeah, you or I've fallen that. and I can't get up. There should be something like that. Yeah, I guess they need to tie it into like emergency Alexa, services somehow. I'm having a heart attack. And that is one. I think one Jay, place where this... I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's one good place where the technology could be put into place was you know, monitoring like elderly people things where you might actually need immediate assistance where they can't get up and hit a button where they can't get up and do something where well that's it would be really cool if i could right now you can't make phone calls from it so you can't trigger your phone no but i bet you google home will hopefully have a tie-in to like google voice where you can start triggering phone calls and stuff like that because i know you can for instance i can trigger a phone to my i can trigger a phone call from my handset from my laptop just by being logged into google voice so hopefully those skills will come around. What, what's, and so the Apple TV is the Apple equivalent. No, sort well, of? Are, they, are they calling it Apple Home? Apple Home. They, there's Apple Home. Yeah, Home is the is their cloud based system with an API that different manufacturers can plug into. Philips plugs into it. Um, all kinds of companies plug into it. But Home is their thing. And I've I when 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 it came out, I know I set up my Hue lights to work with it. Mm-hmm. And then just never went back. To oh, it. with Google Home, you've got a with, Google no, Home. No, not at home? Google Home. I've got the Apple's Home. Oh, thing. Apple's Home. I'm sorry. So Google's yes. also. Is, are they calling theirs Home as well? 
What is Google called? I don't. I have no idea. Go- Apple's is Home. Yeah, it's Google or, no, Home. No, I'm sorry. HomeKit. Apple's is HomeKit. Uh, okay. The app is called Home. But okay. Apple's Google's is just called Google Home. Yeah. So I've got. I mean, I've got all my. I've got all my Hue lights in here. This is the only thing I bother to set up. But yeah, I don't know how if many Hue gonna, lights you got. Uh, I have a few. Uh, I have. Is there a way on the Hue light? Now, the, I want to tell our audience what they're The Hue lights are lights that are wi- Wi-Fi wow. enabled, right? Hold on. Yes. The, the or, no, they're not Wi-Fi. Sort, they're Zigbee. Sort of. They use the Zigbee protocol. Okay. They, the they, they talk to some kind of base station. So they talk that's to also a hub that's also yeah. Wi-Fi. That's Wi-Fi. Or Ethernet so with the the Hue lights, you can tell it how dim or how bright and what color mm-hmm. you want the lights to shine. Is there... And a, schedule. You can run them on schedule. Is there a crossover... Or geofencing. Is there a crossover redundant, or some kind of redundancy that says, okay... I'm at home. I want to activate the lights. I'll say, Alexa, turn on the romantic <coughs> blue lights or whatever. Bunch. But Play my wife, white. but my wife comes home and she just wants to be able to read and doesn't necessarily want to interface with the technology. No. Can she just click a switch and turn it on? No, you can more or less. What will happen is there will be light battles between the two. <laughs> I've also found I I had mine uh, before where when I would come home it would turn on all the lights. But mm-hmm. if you were to do that and you've got say like a sleeping someone at home. That's also not good because then all the lights go on. Well, with with Hue specifically, which is Philips bulbs, if you walk up to one to a light, you know, if, if you walk into the den and like your three Hue lights in the den are like blue and low, and you're like, I need to see, I've got to look at this paper, or, you know, whatever. If you walk over to the light switch and flip it off and flip it back on again, they'll come on normally at full brightness. Okay, so if be, I if I were plugged light. into a lamp and it was glowing blue and <laughs> Or whatever, moody, and I just click the switch through and turned it off, and I mm. clicked it, turned it back on. And it comes back on. It's normal. It's normal. Now let me tell you one of the downsides of that. Um, I don't have any of the switches. Mine's purely, purely through the hub. I have, no, I have all, all mine are in. I mean, just light sockets. It's just light sockets. Whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah. If you turn if you turn the socket off and turn it back on, it comes on like a normal light, which and it can be totally used as a normal light. But one of the downsides of that is if you happen to have a hue light in your bedroom <clears throat> that you use. And it's programmed, then it, at 6.30 when you wake up, it turns on very softly and begins to come up. That's all fabulous and great, and it's really nice. Until you have a power failure at 3 in the morning and the power comes back on, oh, and the light comes back on. blasts on at full intensity at 3 a.m. and terrifies you out of a sleep. <laughs> <laughs> that has happened to me many times, and I do not any longer have Hue lights in the bedroom, uh. because when the power goes out and comes back on, it's like you flip them off and flip them back on again, and it wants to act like a normal light. And you le- you know, so that they work, you leave... The switch of the uh, lights the on. on position, they're always right. on, uh, and you know they turn on and off with software. But like when the power goes out and comes back, it's like, Bleh! Oh. and it's terrifying. It's kind of <laughs> like when we lost power after the hurricane, and and we, all the ceiling fans and all the lights came on at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> the were, but it was it was a nice thing to wake up to because it's like, the oh, air conditioning is back. <laughs> now a lot of them, so they'll make the light bulbs that you can screw into things. Like yeah, yeah they also make a lot of standalone lights as well so yep. like you make some stuff i've got some things that actually have built-in batteries so i've had some power outages and like these little will... bowl little bowl no no they're little yeah little bowl things probably a half dozen of those just around because you can put them different places so when the lights go out i kill those and that's kept me you know in the water for not in the water i guess in, in light the water <laughs> in light we're mixing too many metaphors tonight we've been all over the place mm. tricycles space lights. but lights that's been a lifesaver i kind of envision having a secondary lighting system rather than 
trying to replace the And that's what I did with mine is I most of my light bulbs I kept in and the only places I put it the normal bulbs were a couple of like votive kind of things and I just added the floor standing different spotlights and stuff like that more for mood lighting now I've, I can run it just with that mm-hmm. it looks a little funky most lights coming from the bottom or mid-level so you wouldn't want to go read by it but you know if you want to yeah. you know, it's not bad Barry White well, I probably. use them in. I use them. We've got them all over the house, right. and I use them for all kinds of stuff. But I primarily use them in my my office. And I work from home, so I'm in there all the time. And I've got six or seven of them, and they're only equivalent to about a sixty watt bulb. But with six or seven of them, it's more than enough mm-hmm. to light a to light a bedroom, which is what my little office is. Um, <clears throat> and I've got them set to where in the morning when they come on when I wake up, and it's kind of like you know kind of dim and kind of you know sunrise colored, kind of golden. And then when it hit eight, when it hits about eight thirty. It switches over to the. I use one of their. They've got that app preset where it's like energizing light. It's kind of white, and mm-hmm. so I've, I use that at eight thirty. And then at five, when it's quitting time, they go down again and turn kind of golden. And I like that. It's oh, nice. Cool. Yeah. It's not like you know red and purple and green and in your face. I just yeah. use it like it comes up when it's time to really get going and put your coffee away, and then when it's time to quit, it comes down and it's softer again. Well, that's all like, based on time? Yeah, time-based. You I, can even tie it in with sunset, so if you want like your lights could, to come yeah. up gradually as the sunset, you, it'll actually adjust as the time changes. I, I actually, the is there an app that keeps track of when the Hue. sun comes up and comes use, down? The use, Hue servers. I use Cron. Oh, <laughs> I use Cron go. and scripts, and I fire. Using, using I just horribly abuse uh, their API. I just send commands with curl to the base station. Yeah. And that's the cool thing. You can do it with a web page. It's actually just you're just throwing JSON data at it mm-hmm. and just plain old requests. So you could do it in that's a web browser. That's one thing they did really, really do. right was Hugh has an open API, and you can do whatever you want. Yeah, and that, that's the point. No, you, but can, I'm talking, you really but I, can't tie everything uh, in together. It's awesome. So, but if, you know, with the way that the sun comes up and goes down at different, as the year progresses i mean the hacky way to do that would be to like have would be to like pull up pull, published data with tables would be yeah. to use use curl or something and pull a table of sunrise sunset times and then like <laughs> pipe that into your script every day that no, would be like no, no. the hacky way no, 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 no. even better even better go get photovoltaic <laughs> sensors put them outside <laughs> clouds come it gets unusually dark eclipse solar eclipse total eclipse the, the heart come up, lights, lights go down yeah Lights go red. But really, there's it, not an app already that says, okay, I'm in Texas. There's Houston, a lot of Texas, third-party stuff. And, and it, it talks to the internet. And oh, says, yeah. It, the Hue does that. You set in your geolocation stuff. And, and, it, yeah. and, it, and it reads from some database that says this is when the sun goes up, sun Yeah, goes even down. to the point where if your phone's turned on, it'll go by Wi-Fi. It says, like, hey, if I'm in range of Wi-Fi, I'll turn the lights on. Or I can say, like, hey, if I'm within, I'll put in my latitude and longitude of uh, you know, where the lights are. And when I get within a certain space, it'll turn the lights on or off if I'm you know coming or going. I should start using that. I've never never bothered with the geofencing stuff. I mean, I, I kind of like wrote the scripts like four years ago when I got them all They've, no, and the, just left it alone. The app but was see, really, really whole, bad four years ago. The whole thing about writing app. scripts and, and and all that crazy you don't have to anymore. takes it away from this, what I was talking about originally, how mm-hmm. this is coming to the house and people are buying them. I mean, if Amazon yeah, is reporting yeah. that they are, you know, they're having a record sales year and at the top of the list are Amazon Echoes, then that means that average people are bringing them into their homes to do stuff with. And the whole idea of having it, when you start talking about being able to control your thermostat, control mm-hmm. your lights, mm-hmm. do that kind of stuff. Well, and it doesn't have to be these fancy hue bulbs, right? It can be anything that's connected and that interfaces with whatever whatever their API is. And that mm-hmm. leads to, not to cut you off, but there was a, I may have brought this up before, there was a great security research paper that I read 
um, about attacking home automation systems oh, and causing, causing physical damage. Oh, um, and, you, and the the way that the re- the security researcher in question, I'll dig the paper up and see if I can post it in the chat at some point in the next couple of hours after I get home. Um, but they said that if you have, and the security researcher found that with Wi-Fi enabled light switches, like just plain. Like, you know, buy them, they're relatively cheap. You plug a dumb bulb into it, but the switch itself is smart, mm-hmm. so you can turn it on and on, off. On, off, on, off a whole bunch Yeah, if you, yeah. if you have an incandescent bulb or one of the older CFL bulbs and you spam on-off requests to this Wi-Fi switch, the bulbs will explode. Like it's like a tail. Like you wouldn't, blow up. you wouldn't did that normally. It's the yeah. exact same effect. Yeah. yeah. So that's like, that was one way. And so if you have this internet-enabled home automation system, you can potentially... <laughs> You know, like with a like with a script, just spam on off requests to it if it's a certain type of switch with a certain type of bulb in it, and catch someone's house on fire. And that's kind of the downside is you know while as cool as it is to have everything hooked up, you know, quote unquote, the internet. And you can that's one of the nice things too is with you know a lot of the the ecosystems you can be on vacation, you can turn your lights on or off, you can put them on timers, and you can see what they're doing. Is that your whole home is now kind of on the internet, where if someone gets access yeah. to your Wi-Fi network, <clears throat> someone's get in, you know, gets in some spyware to where you click on a link and you're actually within the land. You you know, they kind of have That's full why, run of a lot of the stuff. What was the Portland party? Uh, somebody's messaging out, uh, messaging us on the Facebook page mm-hmm. about the did we ever find the article about Portland Nine? Portland Nine. I don't know what that is. Is that a TV I show? I don't know what he's asking here. Where, where did y'all mention, mention something about? He said, "Did you ever Di- find Dine? the article? Huh? Oh, Portland. Exp- oh, no, no. no I'm, I haven't. I'm still trying to find it. If I find it, I'll throw it into the the chat. Chat. We'll put it on. Yeah, we'll put it on the page too. Oh yeah. What is that about? Put it everywhere. I wasn't paying attention. It's more or less Portland being, you know, Portland getting being mudslid. On the edge of disaster at any moment. Yeah. Eclipsed oh, by yeah, volcanic dust. I mean, a lot of things, I guess. Oh, uh, this may be it. It's uh, from the New Yorker. The earthquake that will devastate Portland. Uh, hold on. Let me see if this is the right one. And the other dangerous side of this is this is where botnets and other people, while he looks for that, people are setting up. Like, I know, L, I think it's LG TVs yeah, had a big piece. major issue, and LG said, nope, we're not going to. Actually, they fell prey to Android ransomware, and LG is coming out and saying, like, hey, we really don't know what to do. Sorry, people. I saw, I saw somebody uh, tweeted about that, that they had one of their smart TV had been bricked by the Android malware. Uh-huh. And the LG was not giving them the master reset code. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I saw yeah, that. That's, that's actually true. That's going around. And it's it's a number. Some people, so I, I've seen, a, I, I haven't actually seen it in person. Okay, so let me, let me give our there. listeners a <laughs> They're infecting so, their own TVs. So the, the, you may be familiar with the, what's called ransomware, which is a type of spyware or malware that basically takes your computing device and encrypts all the data and then locks you out of it until you pay uh, a fee to it, hopefully get it un- unencrypted so you can get back to it, which, you know, is probably generally not a big deal on an Android phone because if it happens, you can reset the phone. Hopefully you backed everything up to the cloud. Right. right. But but because certain smart TVs like the LG TVs are running Android software mm-hmm. to make the TV into a smart TV, it's vulnerable to this attack, and the reset of a TV is not as well known or as straightforward as resetting a mobile device. 
<clears throat> right. There's no like hole on the back where you put the paperclip in, and, or, and or mm-hmm. maybe there is, but LG's some not telling you, you some where you it can is. boot with the USB stick, do some weird stuff like that. But it's really hard, and like you said, to be able to you know it, it, valid, it wants to supposedly wants to validate that firmware, and unless they give you you know the keys to the castle, it's really hard to like, refresh that. And they don't want to give the keys out because if they do that, then everyone can just go willy nilly and do whatever they want to the television. Well, right. also, I would love to install Raspbian on my TV, but keep going. It also <laughs> points out that you know that the. Uh, the malware writers are not thinking about the TV when they're coming doing this because all the infected TVs I've seen that has the, 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 <laughs> sideways. The, the sideways. I was about to say, I'm yep. surprised your your article on cron.com is going to get another big spike. It's like, hey, my ransomware TV. <laughs> my ransomware <laughs> TV is sideways. How do I get it back? <laughs> Stefan, pay ransomware. <laughs> oh, did you do a ransomware piece? No, no. I did. A, I did one of my first helpline columns was uh, somebody had sent in a question that said my display was sideways. Sideways. You know, it's not I'm the not, display; it's you. Turn your head. No, it, <laughs> it was. It, it, apparently, some computers have the ability to rotate your display. A yeah. laptop, you can hit Control Alt, the up arrow, Something. down arrow, and it rotates the display. Mm-hmm. And so somebody had <clears throat> they had hit the wrong keys and they turned their screen sideways. And I thought this is such a like a nothing question who has this problem and but i did it i did <laughs> it i did it as a q and a and and it went onto the website at cron.com and it was up to probably a thousand or twelve hundred or more comments before comments shut down <laughs> on the article and it was for the longest time was the single most hit article <laughs> on uh, the entire net on the on the helpline uh cron site i've done one of those something like that i have it i have this really esoteric blog post about about work getting bind nine and isc dhcpd to Same work thing. together and it's like it was the it was like i did it at home and i was like i'll do a quick blog post about that mainly so that when i do it again i've got a reference and it's like by a factor of 10. That's like the most popular. Probably the only one that actually figured it out. Instead of just saying, oh, I'm done with it, you actually documented it. And, yeah, I wrote yeah, it down and yeah. posted it. You're one of those kind souls that <laughs> yeah. saves yeah, people's sanity at 2 or 3 in the morning. Well, the, the funny <clears> thing <throat> about this is apparently it happens to a lot of people. but this some monitor people, sideways thing. Yeah, yeah. They, they, their cat goes across the keyboard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it goes, bloop. Yeah, you said something on the keyboard. Yeah, yeah. a lot of things. And, and, so, I, you know, I can understand. That's like got to be really frustrating because that's weird. And it's one of those one of those things, and it's like you can restart it. It's still going to be like sideways. Be that's like yeah. a throw the computer away kind of problem. Or some tilt the monitor. I've seen pictures of people tilting the monitor like physically. Yeah, yeah putting it's just the monitor like put the laptop side. on it. Yeah. This is my life now. <laughs> that's, that's one thing. Until some of the TV manufacturers decide to step up and start protecting these TVs, one thing I've done is on the firewall. Well, first of all, if you can help it, don't put them on the net. Don't plug in Ethernet. Don't put oh, them on yeah, Wi Fi. Shut that down. And and then instead, go buy like a little Chromecast dongle uh-huh. or a Fire Stick or whatever floats your boat, and offload all those smart TV functions. It's gonna be on- better I, anyway. I, yeah. I, yeah. Well, it, I'm gonna probably do an article or a column about this uh, coming up. Uh, the idea of a smart TV, you know, this story in particular is like turned me off to the idea of having a smart TV. I like the idea well, of offloading it. The fact that they're always listening and recording everything you say and they're like the vid screens in 1984 basically well but that's With better so, resolution so, so is, so thank you the, and better blacks so is the darker Xbox blacks if you have that thing set that's up on true the, too. So, well everything is listening right but, now it's just... but but I, you know but the point is is that smart can be added to any tv yeah mm-hmm. so i you, want a dumb tv i mean I they, they need to sell the straight up i've plan, got I've, i can inputs. deliver netflix to my tv three different ways right four different ways i honestly now. don't even need a tuner at this point because all my tv is is yeah. a thing that i plug my computer into Right. It's like all it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, 
anyway. I did find the article about the destruction of Portland and the Pacific Northwest. I posted it on the Geek Radio chat, chat chat.geekradio.com, but if you want to throw it into... The website, Jay, it's it's in the chat. It's, it was a New Yorker piece. It wasn't Vice. Wow, well, they're saying Vice, even the Death Star has been seen hovering above Portland. <laughs> That's, uh, man. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, the uh, piece is titled, if you just want to Google for it yourself, person who is listening, the piece is titled... Uh, let me see if this works in Google. The piece is titled The Really Big One. Careful on that search. Qualify <laughs> yeah. that search. The Really Big One New Yorker would be the would be the <laughs> search to do. And uh, the top result was it was published on July 20th, 2015. It's on newyorker.com. And it's okay even though it is the New Yorker. Um, it won't it won't turn you liberal just if you, you read this one piece. It's actually a very very good piece. <laughs> Are you sure you won't get Careful gay married though. by the end of the article? I, I, I make no guarantees, you know, I, but... Which is still really... I don't want to get all... So, which is really weird to me. I had a, a foreign friend say that a few times. Like, that sounds so weird. It's just married. But the rest of the world is apparently looking to the U.S. saying, like, wow, we here in our country, it's still gay married. It's because you can't married. do that in the U.S. It's just it's just married. Well, you know, I, it's because we all read The New Yorker now. Yeah. That's, that's just how it goes. There is a cartoon in the article that doesn't really make a lot of sense, but that also is the New Yorker. That also is the New Yorker. Ooh, yeah. Actually, that, the that cartoon kinda... does kind of make sense. That one, that one makes sense. I understand that. Mm. Mm-hmm. 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 All right. Well, we're winding down here. We should be almost out of time here. Yeah, we're <laughs> down <laughs> we to about the, another minute. Down to the dregs. Cue the music, but. Uh, it is the final episode of Technology Breaks. Now, a week from Friday ever. is the Geek Gathering. Ever. 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 Bum, done. Bum, bum. I did not say ever. Oh. You said it was the final episode of Technology Bites for the year. Wednesdays. Okay. Okay. Left that part out. The final countdown. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, it's the final show. We had a we had a great year. It was an interesting experiment. We're going to be going back to the call-in portion. So if you the call-in format style thing, so tell your friends. Tell Our your new friends. show format died too in 2016. <laughs> that might not That's have been another, a another thing, casualty. Yeah. So if you survive, if you live until this Saturday night, then tune in next Wednesday for more technology bites and proof we'll of be... life at the geek gathering. Right? Yeah, oh, yeah. It's a week from Friday. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Maybe some people will come out. Probably it's going to be too hot to have a geek gathering. It's going to be like 90 degrees or something <sighs> ridiculous. We're just not getting a winner this year. So. No, really not. I feel robbed. It's like we only have like this like two, two and a half month stretch where it's going to be legit cold. And right now we're wasting it. I'm, I don't, so you, know, I'm, you know, I'm okay with the mild winters, but it's been like summer. Yeah, yeah this it's 80 been, degree stuff. Has got to it's go. been a nicely mild summer, though. <laughs> I just I look for the respite from you know the yep. real summer months. Second summer. Second summer. Yeah. At All least right. you get to go to Iceland. Now yeah, maybe. maybe we'll see if it's still there. <laughs> it doesn't melt away. Maybe, All right. Maybe Waterworld by then. Well, Iceland. You know that's the misnomer, right? Greenland is the one that's icy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's gonna be just big fool some Vikings that for a while. That may be Waterworld too. All right. Well, this has been. Another exciting and freeform version of Technology Bites. We appreciate you tuning in. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you'll come back next Wednesday night for more Technology Bites. I'm Jay Lee. I'm Flicted. I'm Barrett. I'm Lee. And he's Groove House. Rogue One.
Getting 2017 off to a good start is all about setting the right tone. The Rothko Chapel is starting the new year by hosting a Crystal Bowl meditation at noon on Sunday, January 1st. Crystal Bowl meditation is a practice that creates rich, pure tones designed to aid practitioners in focus and relaxation. The meditation will be guided by Dana Shamus, founder of Bayou Bliss Yoga. The Rothko Chapel is located at 3900 Yupon Street, KPFT Houston. During the month of December, KPFT is asking people just like you, listening at home, work, or in your cars, to make a secure online contribution at kpft.org. When we first tried this simple one-minute campaign last year, you helped KPFT to the tune of $27,000. This year, we want to beat that number, but we really need your help. Visit kpft.org to donate right now as the clock ticks down on 2016. Your pledge online will mean so much. This is your community radio station, 90.1 KPFT, Houston.